Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Shout out to John Ward's family. 
the voice of the Vols for 31 years. He was the first person I met on the campus of the University of Tennessee when I started there as a brown-eyed freshman. He passed away today, and he, uh, a good dude all the way around, good dude, never forgot where he come from, and he was the one that made the phrase, give him six, famous, that all sportscasters use now in their own little booths across mediocre schools other than the University of Tennessee, which is, well, we'll kick your ass and take your name later. What does that mean? So, having said that, to John Ward's family, our condolences to John Ward, welcome to the checkerboards in the sky. The time, 10.05 on the East Coast, 7.05 on that there left coast, and let's talk politics. I know somebody keeps trying to interrupt me during my opening monologue, and I know it's probably Barbara. Well, I was just going to ask you, what does that mean? Give me the six or what the six is. Whenever a Tennessee player would score a touchdown, a touchdown is six points. So yeah. John Ward would say, give him six. Ah, okay, okay. I misunderstood. They would say to the checkerboards, because as you know, Tennessee is the only school in the nation that has theirs designed as checkerboards on each end in the end zone. Right. So, uh, just uh, I I heard right before we come on that he had passed away today in Knoxville, and so I always give tributes to those that have in some small way or large way impacted me, and he told me where to find the McClung Tower a building I would hate over the next following six years. (laughs) So, uh, having said that, lots happened today in politics. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, uh, some stuff that we predicted uh, last evening on the program. I do like the compromise that the president signed that basically stuck the thumb in the eye to the Democrats who wanted families kept together, well, now they're going to get it. But they're still going to detention facilities, so (laughs) there you go. Um, I was looking at the polling today. They've been, Democrats have been running polls on the whole separating family business. And I got news for you, Trump won today. He's allowing families to stay together. Most people thought the families should be allowed to stay together. But their caveat was they should be allowed to stay together right in the detention facilities in which they're at. Uh So President Trump made that happen. Now, does that make him bow to public pressure? I've seen that on one of our ragtag posts today, oh, the president's bound to public pressure. I don't think so. I think it's a humane solution um, to an outcry right now, and it takes away the Democrats' ability to flap their gums, which is what they wanted to do. This wanted, They wanted this to be an issue going into July 4th, and mm-hmm. now it is no issue. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you out there that have never used Teladoc or any of those little, you go online and you see a doctor, mm-hmm. absolutely love it. Today was my first day of getting to experience that. I have a special needs daughter who is petrified of doctor's offices. Her scream goes multiple decibels above anything you have ever heard at an opera when she has to get anywhere near a doctor. And today I was able to take snapshots of the issue that we were having, upload them, speak to the doctor online, get a prescription called in to my local pharmacy, 
without her ever leaving the comfort of our home. And so if you ever get a chance to use Teladoc, Telenurse, those type things online, um, it was a good service. And uh, I have to tell you, I liked it. I see our missing in action Delaware person has decided to show in for an episode. Welcome. Uh, hope your your situation goes better. Uh, also notified today that TalkShoe is getting ready to roll out a new platform. And they are letting the top 500 TalkCasters sign up for it early. I did not realize I was in the top 500. Wow. So, whoop, whoop. Congratulations. Um, They're going to be uh, rolling it out. It's going to give us a couple of tools that we don't have. As you know, free conference call bought them out. And so they're... Their entire platform is going to be changing. But one of the big things that they're going to allow us to do is we can block people permanently from accessing our program. Oh, that's good. So um, we will be able we will be able to block that. There's going to be some other features. Free conference calls features are going to be rolled into talk shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so those that are being billed to call Minnesota won't be billed anymore. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. And not when Minnesota, it was like uh, out west. Okay. Well, speaking of Minnesota. I was one of them. It was stupid. I understand that uh, said P-O-T-U-S chose to make a pit stop in Duluth. Yep. Yeah. Great speech. How big was the crowd? Does anybody know? About eight or 9,000, I heard. They had to turn people away. Actually, they said they had to change venues because so many people wanted to come. Gotcha. Well, a couple of things to to start off with. I have uh, I've seen internal polling in several races in the Senate today, and there's a couple that are interesting. One we'll start we'll start with there there are three that I'm going to touch on we'll start with one uh, the state of Tennessee Senate race currently uh, the Democratic challenger Phil Bredesen Governor Phil Bredesen leads Representative Marsha Blackburn by six points Wow now to give everybody kind of a proper weight on that particular poll. That poll was very heavy to Middle Tennessee and West Tennessee, with less than a quarter coming from that East Tennessee corridor and the 1st Congressional District area, where currently Randy Boyd will do very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, I think that Randy Boyd, Diane Black, and others that are running for governor are going to help pull some on that ticket. So I don't think that's an accurate barometer. Do yeah, I think yeah. she's going to be the 10-point, 15-point winner like a Lamar or Corker would be? No. But I think she squeaks it out. The second one is Claire McCaskill. 
uh, in Mizzou. Um, Claire just needs to go ahead and book a UPS truck to clean out her apartment there in Washington <laughs> because she's singing the We Be Screwed song. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she couldn't win if she was the only candidate in the race. Wow. That man. She, yeah, she's in big doo-doo. And then the the next race, and this one kind of surprised me because the last numbers I saw weren't this dire, but the Texas Senate race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz currently leads by four points. Margin wow. of error is five points. Whoa. Now, can anybody tell me what the big secret is about margin of error? Anybody know? Come on. We've talked about uh, this. The way it's weighted? The higher the margin of error. Yeah. Okay. The higher the margin of error, the lower stock you put in the poll. Okay. So you generally, plus or minus five is as high as you want to go. And the reason they're doing plus or minus five in this particular poll is because this particular poll was a statewide poll, and it had nearly triple the respondents that most polls. Most polls do 15, 16, 1,700 people. You don't want to really get a lot higher than that. This particular poll almost triples that number. Um, Heavily weighted. It was heavily weighted, but the interesting thing is where it was heavily weighted. So do I think that race is going to be decided by four points? No. But fundraising is always a key indicator. And the Democratic opponent is raising a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, there's going to be people that jump in and say, well, where's the money coming from? So I decided to check that out today. And both candidates are pretty much even on PAC money and uh, UOS something money. Both are are almost dead even in their numbers. Where the discrepancy begins is the Democratic candidate is getting almost three to one local money versus the Republican. Hmm. So whereas he's not going to be beat over the head with that one right now, um, as we get into July, August, September, those numbers are going to have to move themselves up to to not cause problems. Now, uh, Mike, Mike Lee and several other Republicans have started raising money for Senator Cruz. Mm. Um, from a political insider point of view, it ain't good. Yeah. It isn't good I, at all. No, I think he's going to lose. I really do. I don't think he's going to lose. I, no. I, think, I think it's going to be so tight. Yeah that he's going to be glad there's six years before he has to run again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think the number one thing that seems to be the big problem in Texas is that there's a narrative painted that for the last several years he hasn't been in the Senate doing his job. Mm -hmm. And I went and decided to check on that today uh, because... Again, wanted to be able to say, yes, that's accurate. No, it's not. His absenteeism record, obviously during the 
primaries, uh, the presidentials, was a little higher. But his his actual absentee records, not really. I mean, it's not the greatest. It's about 37%. But you have to take into account that he ran for president when doing that numbers. If you take the he ran for president out of there and take that uh, 18 months, he's about consistent with most Republicans. So there's not any huge discrepancies there. So those are the three polls that just are kind of interesting. Texas kind of surprised me because the last couple of polls I had seen, they've been shrinking over the past several months, but it's still at a double-digit lead. Um, I'll be interested to see what uh, the Wall Street Journal's polling. There's a set to be released on Friday. I'll be interested to see what their numbers are. I have a question. If he remains senator, can Trump still appoint him to the Supreme Court? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, if he loses, then that would be an in-brand, but, yeah. yeah uh, I would have taken that instead of having to run again. You can you can hold any job and be nominated, and it would yeah. it would help give him a pass through the Senate. Yeah. And and they thought of that. It will it'll be interesting to see. There's a meeting set up with the White House and Justice Kennedy's people. So I'm assuming that Justice Kennedy's probably going to announce that he's retired. Yeah. A key indicator is he hasn't selected who his interns are for the next session. Uh, yeah, and usually that's already done. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. Well. Anyway, so what do you all think about the transaction today with the immigration debate? Well, I think well, it's, it's theater. It's really good it's theater. Not- He's not going to satisfy Democrats. I mean, this is only a temporary fix. He said that in the beginning. You know, so this isn't a permanent fix. And, you know, you're going to have the ACLU. You're going to have that federal judge out in California who's going to try to block this, saying that he's overstepped his boundaries and he's overreaching with his authority, yada, yada, yada. Well, if the Democrats had done what they were supposed to do back in 1997, this would be an issue right now. But, you know, hey, <laughs> they're, they're the ones that voted for it. You know. They did, actually. Uh, they're the ones that put the law in place that's being implemented now, yes. Exactly, exactly. But they tried to lay it at Trump's feet, and he had nothing to do with it. Oh, with I just... I just simply look at him and say, Ilian Gonzalez. Right. Yeah, I got a picture. Exactly. Anybody want a picture of it? I got one. Oh, that was horrible. That was absolutely abominable. What happened? And that was under Bill Clinton. I heard somebody say it was good theater. That was me. Okay. Explain. 
Well, I said it's good theater because that's what it is. Um, First of all, the whole point behind what the Democrats are doing right now is to try to sway the vote for the midterms. Mm -hmm. Anything they can do to change the outcome of the midterms is what they're they're pulling out all the stops. In my opinion, they seem rather um, desperate. Okay, that's number one. Uh, The other reason, number two, the reason I think it's theater is because um, Trump came out and responded, which I expected him to do because he's going to take care of his face, and it sounds to me like he's pretty well done that from the sound of things this evening. And then um, number three, um, the only comment that I have on that is that I've already heard that the vote's going to happen, what, tomorrow or is it Monday? It's going to happen tomorrow before they break. Yeah, and it's going to go down. It's going to go down. So, you know, I mean, it's it's theater. It's not anything that they're going to do anything about right now. At least that's what my impression is. I believe you need serious election reform in order to get uh, things handled. That, that would handle a multitude of things. It would help with immigration. It would help with this craziness that we've got now with all these Muslims running for office. Uh, yeah, we need, we need uh, serious election reform, and we also need uh, term limits. Well, that's not going to okay. happen. But well, bill, no, hold on. that bill will probably pass Congress, but it won't go through the Senate. It's, it's not going to pass. It'll get through the House. Now, which one are we talking about? There's two. Yeah, well, either one. I mean, it'll pass the House, but Chuck Schumer already said that they're already a vote no. So, I mean, what the hell do well, you want, Well, I'm going to tell you right now, he can say that all he wants to. But West Virginia, West Virginia is voting for it. Yeah, Claire McCaskill will vote for it. Uh, Montana will vote for it. Florida will vote for it. Okay, that's me why I called it theater, and I just explained why. Because to me, it is a huge waste of time to spend three or four days going on and on. What is this started last weekend about all these children? Okay, now we're into the into the week, and we have got them scurrying and trying to do things. The president's chasing his tail, writing an executive order, and I don't think. That, wait a minute. Now wait. Bill, yeah. wait. Wait, 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 wait. And it's going to get turned down. They're, they're Wait a minute. It's theater. Now, first of all, when the American people decide they don't like something, and listen, I'm just going to tell you, most people don't necessarily want to see children separated from their parents. No, I would okay. agree with that. The problem is, is that 80% of I'm talking. Jesus. The problem is 80% of them came here without parents. The main reason being is that they're not of age and our country will not charge them. So you got 8 out of 10 children here without parents. And there is a large number of children that came here unaccompanied because Mm -hmm. they want to use this little thing called chain migration. Anybody that thinks that that's been stopped yet, it has not. No. There is a run-out period that it's set to expire very soon. 
but it hasn't. And what they have been told by immigration rights people is that, hey, at least get the kids here. And they tell people, Americans don't want to see kids, blah, blah, blah. And it's true, we don't. Okay? Yeah. And now, they have allowed... Don't to stop anybody. They've gone through several other countries before they got they have, to our border. That's right. They've used... Um, they're using basically our own empathy towards the children against us. Now, having mm-hmm. said that, having said that, the executive order that's signed today, I have noticed that nobody's filed anything on it. And I'm going right. to tell you why I don't think anybody's filed on it. Do I think they will? Some moron out in California will try. But yeah. immigration is left solely up to the president. The executive branch is solely that. And what will happen is the, the Supreme Court will fast-track it. The Supreme mm-hmm. Court will just say, look, we're going to skip all this and we'll rule on it. And remember, they're in session for exactly nine more days. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, now... I think that's what a lot of them may be waiting for, is hoping that the court will go in recess and they won't pick it up until they come back in October. Mm-hmm. But most likely what you'll see, for those of you that don't know, there are two parts of the Supreme Court that continue to operate while they are out of session. Number one, the unlucky guy who decided to be an intern that gets to sit by the death watch phone. Okay. Anybody that doesn't isn't aware of the death watch phone, anytime a state is about to give somebody a little bit of electricity or some extra fluids in their arms, they have the bat phone or the death phone. It is a red phone, ironically, at the Supreme Court. And in this little cubicle, there's the red phone, there is a fax machine, and there is a computer, and the only thing that those three devices do is receive briefs, send briefs, receive, uh, hey, we're about to fry, or no, we're going to proceed. And they, that clerk's job is to take whatever Supreme happens to pull the unlucky duty of being on death watch that night, and... Uh, do their orders. And that's section one that's open. Section two is open as there's a three-judge panel, usually the three newest members of the court, that gets to be there ready for emergency orders. Now, Chief Justice John Roberts has made the suggestion his last few terms that he's one of the panel, meaning that the last three, the last two justices, anybody know who the most, the newest two justices are? Uh, Sotomayor uh, and Gorsuch. Uh, Go- yeah. Sotomayor and Gorsuch. Yeah. Well, Sotomayor is going to is going to recuse herself from any vote dealing with immigration. Wow. Okay. She has to. <laughs> she worked for a bunch of immigration rights groups. She's not going to oh, be able right. to vote on this stuff. That's right, that's right. And listen, I don't care for her opinions as a justice because they're very left-leaning, but Mm -hmm. she has done the right thing by that. So they will be on standby. And what will happen 
is these people will go file a brief with some liberal court. The opposing side will be like bullcrap. There's going to be multiple of these, so let's get them under one jurisdiction. So they'll go file with the appellate court. And then somebody else is going to be like, you know what, this is a national issue. And most likely the Trump administration will file with the Supremes and ask the Supremes to fast-track the case. Then what will happen is that three-judge panel will say, okay, um, we're probably most likely going to rule in favor of Trump, so his ban goes in, his way of doing it goes into effect. Or, you know what, we don't know that we're going to rule with him, so his way of doing it is going to be put on hold, or a stay will be granted. So watch to see that happen. Most court watchers probably will wait until they go to the House and try to get a favorable three-judge panel. Mm-hmm. to remand it back and just refuse to hear it right now. We'll mm-hmm. see. That's not that's not been their track record with the immigration issue, so yeah. we'll see. I, I do think, though, I will tell you, when the Supremes do step in that one and rule all the way on how immigration is handled, I can tell you who's not going to be happy. The <laughs> left side, The left side of the aisle is not yeah. going to be happy. And the ruling's not going to be five to four. I think you're going to find that that ruling's going to be a little closer to seven. It, it will be seven to two. So people need to yeah. watch that. I think yeah, you're going to find that ruling will be much closer to seven to two. Yeah, a slim margin. <laughs> so. Is that um, a slim margin? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, they handled that wrong. The truth was that the ruling was very narrow in scope, and that's what they needed to say. This ruling was narrow in scope, and it only dealt with one issue. The court left open for the bigger issue. Uh, my concern with them, you know, I don't want to go back to the Baker issue, but it's going to come down to they're going to have to define the Equal Protection Clause. And that's something that they've been very hesitant to do. Where's the limit on what we protect? Just because somebody decides they don't want to have a wang anymore, does that give them the right to go into the women's bathroom? Or does that give them a right to play on a women's sports team? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you'll notice, a bunch of schools were okay with this gender-inclusive crap until a bunch of boys went on women's sports teams and blew the women out of the water, (laughs) and now they want new rules on it. So there's a a lot of this coming down the pike that the Supremes are going to have to deal with. But more specifically on the immigration issue, Trump's ruling will stand. His executive order will hold water. Um. I think the justices will not issue a stay. They will not say, hey, you got to put them in different accommodations, because I think the justices are tired of people coming into our country illegally. Yeah. Just to be quite honest. And Darth Vader Ginsburg, um, even she can't, you know, even she can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking her lightsaber is bigger than a lot of the men's. Just think. <laughs> She's a racist. But um, as far as the immigration issue goes, Jill is right in the aspect of part of it's dog and pony. 
The left is playing it up because they think it's going to garner them votes. Trump mm-hmm. went and put a plug in the bathtub today because there are people, because that's all we hear, the kids, kids, kids. Well, that sways mm-hmm. a lot of people to say, look, let's leave them together. Okay, well, fine, here's the compromise. They're all going mm-hmm. to detention facilities, and we'll just leave them all together. Yeah. Okay. The Democrats hope that's that... That's I have a question, okay? I thought yeah. that it was against the law to send children to detention, to ja- jailing situations. Yeah. So I don't it understand is. how this can be done. And it In is. fact, if there's any kind of um, legal thing that comes out of it, it sounds to me like that's the avenue they're going to probably take. Nope, because as long as that facility is not used to har- to house convicted criminals above the age of 18, it's not considered a detention facility. I see. If they're in a secure facility awaiting a asylum hearing, that's a whole different ball of wax, and they, that happens all the time. Well, that's another thing. Don't you think they need to do a little bit of uh, redefining the whole asylum thing? Because, you know, we got people that are coming over here, and that's all they're claiming. Now, I realize there's probably a check. The, the United States government doesn't do anything without a checklist, so I'm sure they when have you- a legal checklist in order to determine whether or not you truly need asylum. Well, there are certain things that you, it's kind of like keywords that you have to say, and there are keywords that they use. Um, They're told what to say. What will happen, they're let across. (laughs) But now the judge, when they go in front of these judges, I checked on the asylum cases, and less than 5% of asylum cases are approved. Okay. Matter of okay. fact, matter of fact, ninety-five percent of the people that come through the asylum avenue are sent packing. Yeah. That's why a lot of them are willing to take their chance bypassing the asylum, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's it's backlogged. Now I do right. know that today they again doubled the number of judges that are handling immigration cases. They're moving judges from the northern part of the country down uh, to the southern part to go ahead and deal with some of this. So they did take the Cruz's suggestion whether they put it in legislation, you know, formally or not. Because well, I don't know. Part of his suggestion in the bill that he wrote, the proposed legislation he wrote, was to it was like doubling the number of federal judges they were using for those cases. Yeah, but his 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 bill's DOA. His bill's going to be DOA as soon as it goes out of the well. What what Jeff Sessions has done is he's moved other judges. And assign, and reassign them, which he has the authority to do. Yeah. Uh, so he has just moved judges down. And well, they, I'd rather see that done anyway than a new bill. We don't need, you know, everybody comes up with an issue. The Democrats seem to come up with an issue. And then, you know, Senator Cruz comes up with writing a new legislation. And it just, it's, it's just... It's it's getting a little ludicrous, to be honest with you, and I was not happy with him for even proposing this. Well, the the key that a lot of people want to do is they think that legislation solves all the problems. I know. It don't. And so whatever uh, – Hello? Hang on just a second. Um, anyway, so you've got, I can, I can fix that. You've got, 
this whole immigration business. Yes, that's what's taking everybody's attention right now because they don't want to talk about the other things that are in Trump's slash Republicans' favor. Now, will this immigration business die down? Yes, it will. As a matter of fact, immigration, people coming across the border illegally, is record drops right now. It increased a little bit last month, but I think the Democrats are behind that. I think the Democrats are making phone calls to these immigration groups. Look, start pushing people to the border. Start pushing people because they want to try and control the narrative. Okay? And unlike in the 90s when Ilion Gonzalez was basically taken to the shores of Miami and tossed into the river or the ocean yeah. for a boat, yeah. um, I, you know, I, that's going to be a hard one. That would be a hard one to gauge at the polls. But if Trump gets his message out that basically says, look, you want to come here, come and ask for asylum, go through the process, I think he wins with that argument. Even with the old kid factor, I don't think the Democrats win. So now let's piggyback on to another thing that was said, and then we'll go on to a different topic. But you've made mention several times about election reform. And normally I chalk that up to you meaning um, term limits because you're big on term limits, even though we already have them. And so I'm going to ask you to clarify. We know about the money, so let's, let's move the money to the side Jill doesn't think anybody ought to be donated money from corporations or anybody trying to influence elections. And what type of election reform? Outside of those two things, term limits and money, what what type of election reform? Um, I think that the overall process needs to be looked at for every branch of government. And okay, give me give me a specific election reform in terms of. Um, the criteria used to be eligible to run. That's a that would be a starting point, I think. Um, so, because because and I'll tell you why. Because I think with the number of especially with the attitude that the overall attitude that the Democrats have right now about immigration and wanting to bring all these people in and and all the stuff we went through with all the harassment and all the infighting about the refugees coming in here from the Middle East during the Obama administration, I think that, that you know, there needs to be a look at what, you know, what the requirements are for to be eligible to run for Congress and what the requirements well, are to be eligible to run for the president. And I think that there can, needs to be a modification there. I can you tell know, you what the Constitution says. How many says. times have we heard in the last several elections about birth certificates and this or that person wasn't born here and this or that this person person's parents weren't born here? You know, we can eliminate that with election reform. You know, I'm okay. the type of person that looks for solutions. And I, okay. I've got to be honest then, with you because I'm tired me, of all the infighting. Let me throw you oh. one then. Let me Let me – Number one, the Constitution addresses federal offices. Um, it addresses it addresses the House, it addresses the Senate, and it addresses the presidency, with the presidency having the most strict. Okay, the state. I'm sorry. I said I'm I'm aware of what the you know the the okay. uh, requirements are because so, I've looked into I've looked into some of it. I've done some investigating on it. 
Um, there is no investigation. Read the Constitution. That's all you need. I'm not talking about the Constitution. I'm talking about the election laws as they are spelled out, what the requirements are to run for specific offices. Okay, and, and, and we're talking federal right now, and the federal law is what the Constitution says. There, there is no additions. There is no changes. There is no nothing. The federal Constitution lays out specifically for each office. Okay? Now, I think, and I always have thought this, that we are one of the few countries where anybody can look up into the sky at night and say, you know what, someday I will be president of these United States or I will be a senator, I'll be a congressman. And here's where I'm going to defend the likes of Rubio, Marco Rubio, which you know I'm not really a huge fan of his, Senator Cruz. I'll even defend him. Okay, He's got issues. And under changing those laws, he may not be a senator. Okay? So I guess my I'm question would be... I'm aware of that, okay? I guess, my, I guess my question would be, okay, and this isn't being confrontational. This is just I'm, I want to know, what do we change? Do we add education requirements? Because some of the most educated people in this country are boobs and have no idea what's going on. I mean, I am from the uneducated I town, wasn't, but wasn't specific about education, and I haven't I really sat down and put the pen to paper, to be honest with you, about what, because I would want to go through what each individual requirement was, maybe, maybe modify it, maybe make it a little bit um, well, a little there's, different. There's, there's some homework, because I'm gonna, I want to discuss this one on the next Political Straight Talk, so I will, I will assign everybody homework. Research federal and and we'll limit it. We will limit it to federal offices. For those of you that don't know where to go look for the requirements for federal office, there is a paper. It is called the Constitution of the United States, originally ratified in eighteen hundred. Okay. Thank you. Go look at that document. You will find the requirements for the three federal offices. Yeah, it even includes judges. If we don't even, if we want to go outside of the executive and legislative branches, we can go to judicial too. But I want everybody to think about term, think about election law and how our people are elected and selected, and let's talk about differences and let's come up with ways that uh, if if we were in charge, how would we change it? Would we change it? And I heard term limits. Uh, the presidential term limits, they ended up getting put in because of Roosevelt. And what happened with him and and him being dead and his wife basically being the president for a while. Nobody knew he was dead. Uh, but do we not already have term limits? It, uh, aren't yeah, elections no, we don't have a maximum number of terms for Congress, and we need it. We need it badly. But isn't but isn't but it the right of the people? Them. We're a representative republic. Shouldn't I, I understand that? But the Federalist Papers are clear that they didn't want people. When people came to serve the federal government, it was for a time, and then they went back home to their families and, and their farms or whatever it was that they had at that time. You know, they may have done millwork or they may have done you know carpentry. Um, They're called citizen politicians. They went back to their homes, their families, and their jobs in their local communities. They did not serve for 30 
40 freaking years till you're 80 years old, like Feinstein. Or Feinstein. But, the, but the founders chose, by the way, the founders chose in the ratification of the Constitution not to place that on there. So my question would be, doesn't Liberty Indiana have the right to elect whoever the hell they want to to be their congressman and to be their senator? And doesn't uh, Little Rock, Arkansas have the right to elect who they want to? Nashville, Tennessee, the right to elect who they want to? That that Uh, right isn't being taken away because you're saying to somebody you can only serve for 12 years total. Well, I'm sorry. That right's being taken away. That's not right. You're taking away. Oh, I think it is. Well, okay. I think it okay. is because let's say that they've been there. Let's say, let's say they've been there twelve years. We'll go with the house. So they've been there six terms, and let's say that during their six terms, they have done everything they would promise they would do. They've been instrumental in you know whatever. And election number seven comes up, and I really huh. want if John. You find Hughes. anybody that good, then they should have that person step down and train the next person on how it gets done. It's not going to happen. My, well, actually, actually, it could happen. And back many years ago when I was an advocate for term limits, and I know you all going to find it hard to believe that I did once advocate for term limits, it, it's simply like this. If they do it, it, you can get Congress to do it, but what Congress will do is Congress will not put it into effect until the next person comes in. So, for example, as a new member comes in to district, you know, House member number 34, well, House member number 34 can serve till hell freezes over. But when the new guy comes in, the new guy, under con- you know, and as new congressmen come in, they'll be bound by the term limits. The, con- the current congressman will not. And that's how it'll work. That'll be the only way you get it through if it were to get through. But I think that you strip the people of a fundamental right when you do that. Because if a guy is serving in Congress, let's say 12 years in the Senate, and I want that guy to serve six more because I'm just I'm happy with the job he's done. Why should I not be able to, as a United States citizen, pick the guy I want? And if the majority of the people around me feel the same way, it's our area of the it's our patch of the woods, and if we want him to represent our patch of the woods in Congress, we have that right. Okay, that's all fine, well, and good. However, I do believe that the founders meant for it to be a temporary thing, that they didn't they, mean for it to be a lifetime and that I agree. a public servant should not be someone who does that for their entire life in the United States of America. And that's I think that, up my have. Okay. I think. I think the founders did mean for it to be a temporary thing. They wanted to have what was called a citizen politician. They didn't mean for Congress to yep. become this cushy, posh, $179,000 a year job. Yep, that become. that's right. I do agree with that. They've okay. them out is what they have done to it. But what I what I also agree with is that I have the right to elect who I want to. Okay. And just because someone else in this state is uneducated and chooses to elect a name because they know the name or elect a person because their father knew a guy who knew a guy who knew him, that's not on me. That's on us as educated people involved in politics 
to go out there and sway people and say, this is why you need to vote for this guy. Or they need to go make their case. Term right. limits come at, term limits come at the mm-hmm. ballot box. Listen, we don't need to you know put what, in Fabian, I have just as much problem with um, the the career politicians as I do, um, you know, and, and I really think that that's a crook. That's a big problem within our government system. That's why a lot of the stuff goes on that does go on that is underhanded. We've had these discussions a million and one times, and I think the general consensus is that everybody agrees that the problems is the career politicians. So, the, I mean, the, the, what, else, what else is there to do to fix it? What well, there's a lot of things. Other than to set term limits. I, I don't think you need to set term limits. I've never thought you need, well, uh, I take that back years ago, I did. Uh, but as the more yeah, I learn. How do you get rid of the career, pol- or how do you get rid of career politicians that are in bed with special interests and lobbyists? At the ballot That's box. That's the problem we're having in this country. At the At the ballot box. I'm going to give you an example. Yesterday, a special election was held in a state in this country for sheriff. Okay, in that county, there's approximately uh, between 13 and 14 thousand registered voters. It's a small county. That election garnered 2,000 votes. That is it. That election was determined by 54 votes. The guy that won the election is a known drug runner. He is a known. Uh, distributor of drugs he's got people that work the streets that drugs he's now about to be the top law enforcement officer of that county and if he's not the other guy used to be the sheriff in that county and he also is known to do the exact same thing okay so why did i mention the moral of that story is they must have a whole lot of uneducated voters um i think there's a lot of voters i think there's a lot of voters that were too busy to care and I think that nobody thought that that particular uh, job or that particular election was that important. And why? Because it wasn't something anybody was talking about. If you want to change, it's it's a fundamental thing, okay? And and I've said this when I do when I teach classes about grassroots campaigning, I put what I'm about to say. I I I, I hammer this home. And the truth is that. People don't vote. Most people do not go in the ballot box and vote because they care about the issues. Okay? They don't. Granted, a lot of people on this call may very well do that. But most people, nearly 70% of people, do not go in the ballot box to vote for major issues. Okay? President Trump, when people went to the ballot box in November... They were not voting for every issue that President Trump stood for. They were going in that ballot box to vote for one of three reasons. It was either they really wanted to see (laughs) how President Trump would react as president, they wanted a wall, or they didn't want Hillary. That's your three reasons that a Trump voter walked in the ballot box. On the flip side... On the flip side of that, what are the three reasons that people walked in the ballot box for Hillary? They are scared of Trump because Trump is a Ronald Reagan-esque type person that is no bull and is willing to grab a bull by the horns. Number two, they wanted to see the first woman president. Okay, Or number three, they really love her, really love Bill Clinton, and just wanted to see them back in the White House. 
That's your three reasons for her. It wasn't her platform. She didn't have one. There are people that really love Bill Clinton and really love her after all they know about them. And, oh, yeah. And, oh, listen, if you... Still do. As, as far as a lot of people are concerned, even even moderate Republicans, Bill Clinton is still the shiznit. But the the point being is that if you want to change these seats, number one, you got to give people a reason to go vote. These two sheriff's candidates that were fighting it out, okay? There's a good guy that he truly wants to make a difference in his county, and there's another guy that wants to use the office to protect his drug deals, okay? The good guy, the good guy lost. Why? He lost because 54 more people were reached by the other guy, okay? I went and looked last night when I was told this to see what I could see about how they ran their races. And the truth is, it's a low-budget, they-both-got-jobs type of operation. The wives didn't go out door-knocking. The kids weren't out door-knocking. There wasn't any movement by the GOP to help either one of them out. Okay, so how do we make that change? We motivate people. And I'm going to give you the three E's, okay? And there's some people that's already heard this, but it's just the way it is. You educate, okay? I know there are people that have heard me hammer that home. Educate, educate, educate. You then, oh, shoot, I just went blank. (laughs) My three E's dropped down to one. Well, you did say it three times. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. You educate. Engage. You engage, and then we got a storm going on here. I may have to jump off this phone for a few minutes till it passes. You you educate people. Educate people about what truly matters. If you want to win an election on any level of this government, make it about the kitchen table. Make it about the kitchen table. Whether you're running for mayor, school board, whether you're running for governor, make it about the kitchen table. Always about the kitchen table. You educate about the kitchen table. You engage voters. Okay? If you're a candidate, you engage them. Keep them not only educated but informed. What's going on? You know, educate engage okay well I tell you I'm totally just losing it today and energize and then when it's election time you energize them give them a reason to get excited about going to the polls give them something to look forward to the guy that really wanted to be the sheriff to clean it up he should have been out every day with a pair of handcuffs and saying look you see these I've got a meth dealer that's going to be fitting right in these on my first day. You give people a reason to go to that poll. You don't like who's there? Give somebody, give an alternative to that. Educate. Engage. Energize. I was going to energize. I was (laughs) looking at somebody else talking to me. I apologize. Energize. And we can even go even further than that. If you engage people when you engage them you empower them 
When you educate people, you empower them. When you energize people, you empower them. You empower them to make a difference. When you do that, you don't need term limits because the people that aren't living up to those expectations that have been created by those voters, they will vote your ass out. If you go to the school board and you don't stand up for those children and you are voting for lights in another district when you've got pods in your own, they will vote you out. If you vote for mayor and that mayor refuses to keep the city streets up and the trash collected and the riffraff out of the city because they want to be sanctuary and you empower the people and educate them, they will get rid of them. At least here in the uneducated South, we will. I guess it's our simple minds and inability to be educated that does that for us, but uh, we don't put up with that crap. Now, yes, we have 90% plus re-election rates. I don't dispute that. Why do we have that? Because it's what people know. And why do they know it? Because we don't give them an alternative. Whether it's another Republican, whether it's an Independent, whether it's a Democrat, whatever, we don't give them an alternative. We don't need term limits. We need empowered, educated, engaged voters. When you have that, then you will go. I think the election turnout for that election yesterday, if I remember correctly, was right at 15% of the vote. Mm -hmm. 15% of the people that are registered to vote determined what the other 85% were going to live with for the next four years. Mm -hmm. Okay, In our election in 2016, and our voter turnout was up. Does anybody know what the final number was, percentage of voters across the country? Mm-hmm. We didn't crack 50. So why is that? Why didn't we crack 50%? Why did people stay home? You had two very You had two very polarizing figures. But people stayed home. Texas, their voter turnout was actually lower during the general election. I have, a, I have a thought on that. If you recall, during the primary uh, season, you know, um, Mr. President Trump only pulled, he didn't pull 50% of the vote until the field was so narrow. And then even then, I don't think it was until after, um, in fact, Indiana, I don't know if he even did it here, I think, he might, I think he got close, but I don't think he even went over 50% here. It wasn't until after the uh, field was cleared uh, that he got over 50% of the Republican vote. So I think that there were just, because there were so many Republicans that ran, I think that the field was so split that there were just a lot of disenfranchised voters. I mean, that's you asked why they stayed home. I think that that might be a plausible reason. I, I will tell you that if if a presidential if everything stays on course as it is, President Trump he may not win forty nine of the fifty states like Reagan did, but it'll be a bigger blowout than it was in twenty sixteen mm-hmm. electoral college wise. Yeah. And I don't think there'll be any conversation about the popular vote. No. See, this is the problem and and, and and I'm going to tile this up, and then we're going to move on to a different topic. But 
you think about this, okay? Number one, what is the goal of liberals when it comes to the Constitution? They have two goals when it comes to the Constitution and elections. Circumvent it and shred it. They want the Electoral College taken out. Yep. Okay? The next time somebody tells you they went to the poll and voted for president, look at them and call them an uneducated liar. Anybody here go vote for president? Anybody? No. Yeah, but it was our elected uh, electors who voted. Who voted. Anybody go mm-hmm. vote for president? Yeah. Who just said yeah? No, that was a formality. There is absolutely no one on this telephone call that voted for the President of the United States. You have never voted for the President. I have voted for the President of the United States. I'm sorry, but you are a liar. You have never voted for the President of the United States, ever. If the point of this is is that our votes don't count, well, that's news. You have never... Hang on. You have never in any election in this country since the day you have been alive have you ever voted for the President of the United States. You do not vote for President of the United States, and you never have. And as long as the Constitution stays the way it is, you never will. Delicate election president. When you go to the poll in November, even when you go to the primaries, when you go to the primaries, you are not voting for President of the United States. You are Why are voting. they on the ballot? Well, I'm about to tell you. Hang on. Everybody hush. I'm about to tell you. When you go to the ballot in November, the Founding Fathers put this little thing because the Founding Fathers did not like the public. They had a problem with angry white men. They just didn't like them. They, much like the Democrats, did not like angry white men. So they created this process to where the president would not be directly elected by the people. The president, since the creation of the Constitution of these here United States, now notwithstanding the 27 presidents that came before George Washington, we will not count them because they were under the Articles of Confederation, and we will not count them. George O. Jorge, he was the first president to be elected. And who elected O. Jorge? It was not us, the people. We elected people to go to Washington on December the 15th to choose our president. We do not vote for president. We vote for electors. For example, when we went and cast our ballots in November of 2016, I cast my ballot for 11 electors that were assigned to President Trump. Uh Okay? Anybody else that voted, they voted for, in each state, the electors are the number of electoral votes that you have or the number of elected federal representatives. Okay? Here we've got nine congressmen and two senators, so we have 11. Indiana, I think you all have got like seven or eight. Um, I don't know how many you all have. I don't remember. But the point is, is that when you when you go vote, you have never, none of us on this call, have ever voted for President of the United States. We vote to send electors <coughs> to Washington 
to choose our president. Now, here's the catch to those little electors. Did everybody know here that an elector can vote for whoever the hell they want to? Yep. Now, there are some states that have in there that if elector defects and don't vote the way they're supposed to, they're immediately removed. And there have been some electors. Don't they have different state laws depending on the state with that? or is that There are some law? state laws that, that do it, but I will tell you federal law trumps it every time. And the federal law says that those electors can vote for whoever they want to. So each candidate goes and they choose their own electors. Each candidate chooses their own electors, no matter what party they're with. In each state that they're on the ballot, they choose their people. So Trump picked 11 people from Tennessee. He picked... Uh, you know, 12 people from wherever, 25 from Florida, 54 from California. Um, all of these electors are selected by the Trump team on or you know, whoever. On December the 15th, all electors that are sent, so in this, all 270, or he had 300 and something, his 300 and something showed up, Hillary's showed up, and they all casted a vote. Okay. Now, there were some defections. I think there were two defectors out of Texas that defected. And but they didn't vote for Hillary. They cast their they did abstained or something crazy. Anyway, the point is that how many people do you think when they walk in that ballot box, they think they're voting for president of the United States? We have Jill who believed until about 10 minutes ago she was voting for president of the United States. No, I know full well and have known full well how the Electoral College works. Okay? Well, that's not your statement a minute but ago. You stated, but you said that you voted for the president. My, my point is... My, and when my I went is, in and saw my ballot, everybody that was on there was running for president of the United States. Yep. And you're not... And that ballot is kind of misleading Those because you're not voting for primaries are president. handled exactly the same way. The state delegates, representatives, go from each state to the convention, and they get railroaded if they're not done if they don't do the right thing. I know for a fact that there are different state laws because Virginia, with the last one, filed a lawsuit. Remember that, Fabian, about wanting well, to you're not talking wanting about to two, be um, held to a specific standard, and they voted in his favor. You're, first of all, you're, you're talking two different systems. You're talking the primary know, system, which that. is governed. I the convention. The conventions are governed by the state party, by right, the elected. It's very comparable, if you think about it, because both sends delegates. I understand the state, that. The state party, everybody in these, these here United States, votes for national committee men and women. Now, you may not realize you're voting for it because you actually vote for your representatives to go represent but, you in the GOP. Right, but I was fully aware of the Cruz campaign and the people that they, the various representatives they chose in each state. I was fully aware of what was going on with that. Now, just because a candidate chooses somebody to go and represent them at a convention does not mean that happens. Because especially with the GOP. The Democrats have their own different system, and they're changing theirs for the 2020 elections. Um, theirs is about to get tighter. Uh, they are going to stop. The superdelegates and all that craziness. Well, the superdelegates aren't going to change. What's going to yeah. change for them is they are locking out any independents. Right. Um, so 
Bernie is getting ready to feel the burn from the Democratic Party, burning him right out the door. Like an independent like Perot did. Um, he won't. I know. He's, he's got too much trouble. His wife's yeah. about to go to the slammer, and yeah. uh, he's he's probably headed to the slammer. And his son his son is doing about as well as Hillary Clinton would do in Arkansas. He won't even endorse his own son. I don't blame him for that. He he's he's standing true to his word. I'll give him that. But these conventions, and you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on the conventions, but everything that happened at the Republican convention, while it shouldn't have been done in the form it was, was completely legal. Okay, those national committee men and women, they do have a right to convene. They did convene. They changed the rules, and that's the way it is. You can do that. Okay, doesn't make it right. But it is the way it no, happens. Did. That's just it. They didn't change the rules. Oh, they changed the <laughs> rules committee meeting, and they didn't yeah. change any rules. They didn't amend anything. They yeah, did not amendment from after. Yes, they did. They they did they did amend the rules on the national level. They did. Okay, it's just the way it is. It happened. It was done. And when they come out, when see everybody's problem is how the meeting was convened and adjourned. Okay, because both both candidates, both major candidates, had people that they wanted to disrupt how this whole process was going. Okay, it was already planned out. Everybody knew it was going to happen. And when Priebus and company decided that, look, we are changing this, and it was done. They did it in a back room. I agree. It was done. But the GOP has a right, and this is what I can't seem to get through some people's heads. The GOP's got a right to choose whoever they want to. Let's say mm-hmm. Ted Cruz had won. Let's say that, that Ted Cruz had won, and he become the nominee. And let's say that the committee as a whole was not happy with that. The committee could convene, the national committee can convene, and they can, by simple majority vote, remove his name from the Republican ballot and put whoever's name they want right at the top of that, no matter who you vote for, no matter who I vote for. no matter it's, It is a formality. When we go choose in primaries, it is a formality and they nothing more. There are formalities in line to block the people that wanted to amend the rules to where they could vote their conscience on the floor. Well, and I'm going to tell they you what I not, think about people voting it, their conscience. And they seconded it. And that was when, the end of that. So yeah. When you go, up. when you go to vote as a congressman, I won't talk about the people because the people got a right to vote however they want to. But yeah, well, they blocked they, eleven states from voting the way that they wanted to. When you are, when you are sent to do a job, okay, and and I'm going to give you that example, okay. Trump won some states that people were not happy about. A couple of states wanted to change how they were voting. Now, granted, that state party actually has the right to do that, but they have to get permission from the national party to do it. The national party said no. They have to have a majority, a certain number of states that required nine in order for them to get the the vote on the floor. They they wanted to call a roll call vote, and and then they turned around and and pulled a fast one on them and said that they wanted to do a roll call vote. At the last minute, and that was a bunch of hokey. It was a bunch of baloney, and they 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 forced everything through. It was a. It it was was as simple as that. 
It was a well played. It was a well played maneuver, and people that were trying to shift. There were some people that were trying to shift some states. (laughs) There were there were people that were trying to shift states that had been won. And listen, I'm gonna tell you. Had it been any other year in any other situation, they might have gotten away with it. Okay. But the truth they is, they have and, the and right I, to want to 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 produce. Every yeah. Republican that goes to those conventions is a designated delegate by their state. They have every single right, as part of that rules committee, to stand up and make any kind of a suggestion on amendment that they want to. And if they you're have recognized right to open by debate the chair, if you're no if you're recognized, and they were blocked. It's as you're exactly right. That. And as the chairman, I'd have blocked everybody trying to flap their gums. I'd have blocked them all. I don't blame them for doing it. I'd have done it too, because what they were I trying to do. I just think the Republican do, Party is a screwball party because of the way they handled the rules in the first place. But the whatever. rules. Just because, just because Ted Cruz didn't win. No, it's no. Ted, it's listen, okay. Ted. Ted, the, the truth of the matter Ted. is, hold on. This really doesn't have anything to do with Ted. But I will tell you because it's how political strategists are. There was polling, polling done, you know, us poll people. And Ted Cruz, and, and the Republican Party knew this. Why do you this keep was, bringing him into it? I didn't this, say his name at all. Oh, you didn't. You didn't, but I'm I'm going to point out a couple of polls. There is no way, absolutely zero way, zero, okay, I want everybody to hear this, zero path to the presidency for a Ted Cruz nomination. Zip. Okay? Zip. Now, here's the other kick to that. Without a Donald Trump or a Donald Trump-type person, not just Donald Trump, because there are other people that are outside the box thinkers that Because that you think that moderates rule. In, no, actually, I don't. As a yes. matter of fact, I will tell you right now that moderates do not. But I can tell you that a standard, a standard Republican, a standard Republican, Okay, would not have won the 2016 election. They would not. Nope. There is of all 17 candidates that stood up on that stage. Of all 17, a Democrat. Of all 17, none of them. And had the 17th person other been somebody other than a Trump type person, I'm not saying Trump. Okay, I'm saying a Trump type person that was an in your face, come get it. Type. Let's use New York style because that's what he uses, New Yorker. Without that in your face, Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. wins the presidency. Yep. Hands Hillary Clinton down. wins it, hands down. But well, okay, did, I respect your opinion, but I don't necessarily agree because I think that anyone that there were there were at least two other people that could have really schooled her had they been given. Who's, a who's the other two? Uh, it's it's immaterial. That's just I want to know who the other two are. And I have mine. It's you know that's it. that's all it is. I think I think that that uh, Fiorona might have done a little. She wouldn't have won at the end of the day, but it sure as hell been an interesting fight to watch those two go at it. But well, at that, the, the point is, is that there were there was a lot of talent on that stage. There is Many talent, of them but would have been able to take Hillary Clinton down. They would not have beaten her. They would have not. Yeah. No, Listen, okay, let, let me tell you, let me share you all with something. Now that we're, we're a year and a half removed, I can tell you all. i got a friend that works in the Democratic Party, okay? Her job is to do what I do for the Republicans. That is her job. 
She is very that good at it. heard about her. Okay. She is very good at it. She is to the Democrats what I am to the Republicans. When I'm sitting over here giving people Republican advice and telling them, hey, this is what you need to do, she's doing the exact same on the other side of the aisle. they got a little different way of how they do it, but she uses the bullseye method just as effectively as I do. Okay? And let me explain to you what they had. They had two people that they were concerned about coming out of that 17. Two, and only two. Okay? There was one that they kept dismissing outright, but the fear was the unknown. That was Donald Trump. He was at the top of the list. They had a list of 15 or 20 things that, hey, we're going to, stop, we're going to start pounding him if it looks like he's going to win. Anybody want to know who the second person was they were concerned about? Uh, I'm trying to think. Either Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or... Neither. Well, I was just going to say that was the dominant ones. Dr. Carson. Dr. Carson. Van Carson, yeah. Dr. Carson. Those were the two. On their tier two that might have been an issue, the only two names they had on there was Fiorona, and I don't remember if I'm saying her damn name right or not, and Ted Cruz. Those were the second level. Nobody else even hit the radar. Jeb didn't hit the radar because people had Bush fatigue. People mm-hmm. even had Clinton fatigue, but they had more Bush fatigue than they did Clinton because it had been so long since Clinton had been in the White House. They weren't concerned. Yeah, there so was a lot when, of people that just didn't know about the Clintons. A lot of young so, people. Which so is when Democrat, the, that's, Democrats go after them anyway. So when the race came down and everybody was out but those two, I went back to Jackie and I said, who are you preparing for and who are you scared for? And she goes, well, she said, we're preparing for Cruz, but we're scared of Trump. And I ask him why, because, you know, a lot of people wrote off Trump. Hillary wrote off Trump. But don't mm-hmm. think for one second the DNC did, because they didn't. And they said that their concern was his brash, in-your-face, New Yorker, unknown style that would appeal. Mm-hmm. They were afraid it would appeal to middle-of-the-road uh, white voters and that it would appeal to conservative-leaning blacks. They did not expect him to get the number he got of blacks. They expected him to get about 8%. They didn't expect him to get higher. So when it's shaken out, and I got to see some of her little (laughs) war room, because we do share information. I will tell you I've never given her anything that will help her beat any candidate I'm working for, nor have I ever given her anything that will beat a presidential. I just look at what she has, and I'll say, I will tell her to tweak something. You know, I'll say, I'll tweak this or I'll tweak that. But I've never given her a direct strategy. So don't anybody think I've ever tried to do that. But I'm going to tell you, they have a map, okay? One of the first things as a strategist, when you're running a state race or a federal race, you put up a map, okay? You break it down by every county in every state that you cover, and you start coloring it in, red, blue, red, blue. Under a Trump thing on, on his map, the interesting thing was the blue was your standard places, the red was your standard uh, places, uh, with the exception of Georgia, North Carolina. Um, but here was one I found interesting. Jackie did not color in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan on Trump's map. Okay. Hmm. 
on Cruz's map, on Cruz's map, he had all the southeast, Texas, Arizona, uh, Ohio was the only thing that was shaded either way because they weren't sure how Hillary was going to play there. But none of that blue wall. It was all blue. And all the polling data in that entire area, okay, heavily weighted towards the Republican side, by the way, uh, all showed blue. And on the top of this map, right before Cruz dropped out, it says, no path to 270. None. Polling data backed that up all over. And you can't just, I know a lot of Republicans and conservatives are like, oh, you know, they're going to turn out in droves. No, they wouldn't have. November elections, remember, you can't run a barometer of a presidential election off of a primary, especially a hotly contested primary. Because the same people that showed up to be ticked off in that primary aren't necessarily going to show up on election day. And do you know what Cruz people put up with the entire time during the primary? I tell you. I didn't follow, but I will tell you on Twitter. In in the in the primary, coming out in groves, saying we are going to cross over, and we are going to vote for Donald Trump in the primaries. Okay. We're voting for Hillary Clinton in the general. And and you know what may have happened. Over and over and had, and, over and had Trump and had Trump again. lost, had Trump lost, that could have been the that could have been the marching order. That could well, have been the song of the day. If Trump got in, okay, you're trying to paint a picture that they were scared of Trump, but Hillary Clinton knew, believed that if she had to go up against people that were real Republicans that worked in that in that government system and knew how it worked and knew about her corruption, that she was going to have to face a lot bigger crap uh, in the debates than if oh, she went up wrong. against Trump that no. didn't know everything you're that wrong. he'd done. You're no, wrong. No, Jill. I believe wrong. that they hang thought on. that Trump could hang on. Could be hang on. Trump. Hang on. Can I? Not can you, I Jill. Barbara, just hang on. Okay, oh. Jill. Th- this is my specialty. This is my wheelhouse. I know the people in presidential politics. I've known them for years, and I'm going to tell you right now: the DNC, not Hillary, because Hillary. Listen, Hillary had nothing to do with her campaign. She showed up where she was told to. She made no decisions. Uma was making her decisions. Okay. She was. She is aloof. She was in 2008. She was a Secretary of State, and she was then. I am telling you that the people that actually make the decisions on these, under Ted Cruz, it says no path. Their ad buy money, their ad buy, their budget for a Cruz Clinton matchup was half of what they had set aside. I'm not arguing about Ted Cruz. Because I tend to think with him having been a junior senator and looking back on all of it and hearing what the, the, the crap that Lindsey Graham said about a fellow Republican on the Senate floor, and people laughed and thought it was funny, that place in Washington is a god-awful mess. And anybody who doesn't see it like that is not really if it, If it's so bad, if it, if, it's, if it was so bad, why does Ted Cruz want to go back? They don't like why him. Do, why does Senator Lee because want to go back? He, why does Because he cares about the country. Why would you run for office? Ted Cruz is You don't see me running for office, do you? When people do, where do you think that they run? Do you think they run just for the salary? 
Or do you think they run because they care about the country? I mean, I think people that run locally. I think people that run. Trump run, ran. I I think that people run locally because they care. I think Trump's an ideologue. I think he believed when he set out for this that now the truth be told, he said, "Look, you know, I may not win, and this will help the ratings of The Apprentice." He did say that early on. I don't dispute that. But I think once he got in there and got to talking to people. And I think because he is an ideologue, and I will tell you the one thing about him that that impresses me. There, there's one thing that impresses me about him, and that is I believe he has an unwavering, undying love of this country. That's right. Well, that's what okay. I'm saying. I mean, it, you know, I will I give did. him that. I will give him that because if you look back on old interviews and whatnot, he was concerned about it and interested about it when he gave the that interview to Oprah. Here's here's the thing, that Trump is a businessman. Well, he was also an insider, Barbara, in the establishment. He knew what was going on up there, some of it. He is running this country like a business, and that's the way it should be run, checks and balances. You know, they've run him up for decades. And now somebody comes in, he's going to turn that all around and look. Well, I think I think he's trying. I think he's trying. And I think there's some. I think there's some people. Well, Republicans are blocking him too. I think there's some people in Congress that are trying to help him, but I also think that there are those. I'm going to tell you, (laughs) and and this is going to be the the one negative I'm going to say about Trump. I think his machine of getting rid of political enemies is worse than the Clintons ever had because he will steamroll over somebody. And the thing uh-huh. is that he leaves them in their dust. Uh-huh. Okay? Now, going Being back to <laughs> look, at, look, at some of the people, look at some of the people that run against him. Okay? There's a few that come out and said, look, let's bury the hatchet. Where are they now? They're serving in the administration. They're serving close to the administration. There are those that... Or they're serving on Fox News. Had, ...had things to say. But see, Fox News, does anybody realize that the majority of the anchors and stuff on Fox are lefties? Does anybody not yeah. realize that? Chris Wallace. Um, uh, what's his I mean, name? seriously, they, they have so many lefties. Media, uh, mainstream media, I've been saying it forever, that they're all liberals. But the point being is that (laughs) most people don't know that most of the people at Fox News are liberal. Uh, Garrett Garrett is not liberal. Uh, Kilmeade is not. I mean, your Fox and Friends bunch, they aren't. But here's the thing, okay, And, and this is a whole new pot of wax that we can go down another time. News channels, your cable news. You have heard, uh, I, I know that many of you have heard that Fox News is biased to the right and that CNN is biased to the left. And Let me tell you a little secret. biased to the left. Let me tell you a little secret about how news is categorized. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when Nielsen and all these other companies check your biases. Okay? That is when news is happening. From 5 p.m. until 9 a.m. the next day, 
That is op-ed TV, okay, all of it. Your Sean Hannity's, your uh, that incredibly boring dude that wears a stupid bow tie, what's his name, Carl, whatever the hell his name is. Carl. Uh, and then, no, uh, Carl mm. Tucker, Tucker Carlson, oh, whatever Tucker his name Carlson. is. Then Laura there's Ingram. That, then there's Laura, I'm a bitch, Ingram. Uh, I can I cannot stand that woman. Don't think she deserves a TV show, much less a radio show. She, she is one of the most evil like people. Her. She is one of the most evil people that the right has. That Heil Hitler sign at the convention that about did me in. I don't even care about the sign. I care about how she treats people, and she is awful. If anybody's ever been around her when she's speaking at an event, don't don't get anywhere near her. She will scream and yell at you, her security, the people that booked it. She's awful. And Coulter's a treat. She just is drunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I used to like Ann, but she's Ann really Coulter was funny. so drunk when we took that picture. There's a picture with uh, with me, with her. Uh, yeah. A, she was so drunk she had to take her shoes off. We had to retake the picture because it had her in her bare feet, and they had to oh. crop out we had to redo it when she was in Nashville at the Sheridan. Uh, wow. And then Bill Hemrick, Bill Hemrick was trying to <laughs> take her to bed. I was oh, like, no. oh, boy. She's but anyway. Um, but here's, but, but, here's the thing about Hillary that I can inject here, that if she had won, God forbid, none of this in the IG report, that wouldn't have happened. Well, that IG report still didn't tell the whole truth. I know that. But none of this would have come out. No, it would have all been sealed up, and Comey knew it. And and they knew it. It would have been classified. Her first day in office, you'd be amazed. Because the president's stuff is automatically classified anyway, with the exception Mm -hmm. of their business dealings, which are placed in a blind trust and Mm -hmm. are not made public. Right. Um, his his stuff will not be made public. His businesses, uh, they're in a blind trust run by his family. And contrary to popular belief, even his daughters and sons cannot see. They don't. They're not responsible for the day to day. They can't make money decisions because mm-hmm. they're in with the White House. And wow. a lot of people don't know that. The media likes yeah. to tell you they can. No, they cannot. Mm-mm. The president cannot see what his businesses are doing. They can't see what's invested in. Nothing. Unflicted like interest. So well, it's the president does that. The president's not even allowed to carry his own wallet. All of that's taken away from him on January twentieth, all of it. His own credit cards, everything is taken away from him. Wow. The suffrage of the people. <laughs> the suffrage. <laughs> now I will tell you, Trump's people reimburse the federal government each quarter mm-hmm. for his expenses. Uh, the only thing that they don't is their Secret Service detail and um, Air Force One. And he pays for most of the fuel on Air Force One when he goes to Key Largo and other places. Well. My God. Okay. Okay. Anyway, now. Let's go on to the next topic now that we got diverted. Uh, Have you been watching any of the house races? Um, 
and, you know, I mean, I realize that you don't think there's going to be a big sway, but do you think that there is an, any chance at all that the Dems will take the House? Plus seven for the Republicans in the House, and right now plus seven or eight in the Senate. Mm-hmm. For Republicans, but I'm talking about, you. so you're saying no, you don't think that they'll, that the Democrats will be able to take this either either House. Republicans will have a net gain of seven seats in the House when it's all done. And I know this number's a little high right now. I'm going to probably down a little closer we get. But as of right now, plus seven or eight in the Senate. This is why Democrats are screaming so loud. Florida, flip. Montana, flip. West Virginia, flip. Indiana, flip. Um, I don't know Tennessee, if Indiana's going to you think Indiana, gonna, you think Donnelly's going to lose? It's going to flip. Um, Mizzou, flip. Let's see, where else? There's three more. Um, South, mm. South Dakota. South Dakota and North Dakota, one of them's got a Democratic senator. Flip. Uh, so, yeah, I, I see I see it changing. Democrats so in other words, not, your, your, your answer is then no. You believe that the Republicans are going to maintain the House and the Senate. Correct. Okay. That's there, there, there would have to be something major happen outside of, you know, these the kid issue that's going on right now. Well, I got one thing to say about with regards to Texas that you'd mentioned earlier on uh, Ted's campaign, and that is that if that I don't believe the people of Texas are stupid, and um, and I believe that uh, a lot they have a lot of people involved in politics in that state, and I right. believe that uh, that they're smarter than to elect a, a criminal. Well. The the issue is is that he's not well liked. Well, Beto's also got a criminal record. And so, is it is it what's going to keep him from running for office? Well, no, but his family doesn't have a very good um, reputation either. Well, I can tell you that that he's doing well across the state. He's doing well, very well. You no, know, when you got George Soros throwing all kinds of money at you, you know it's going to happen. It's not the money. I didn't expect. I did not they expect can any challenger that went up against Ted Cruz to be to to not be handed a boatload of money by the Democrats because Ted is a force in the Senate. He's a fighter, you know. I mean, it's just who he is. And they hate him. Well, if if he wins, this is the thing. I do think he'll win. If he wins, it's by single digits. He's a weakened candidate. Um, if he wins. And this is going to break the hearts of a lot of our listeners and some of our Facebook people. But he is not running for president again. Okay? Been there, done that. It's over. He's not in 2020. I don't think he'll do that. He's not running in 2020. He ain't running in 2024. His political career will be the Senate or the Supreme Court, and that's that. I mean, it's just what it is. How are you so sure about that? You don't know what his aspirations are. Well, I don't give a damn what his aspirations are. So, okay, I'm telling so you. Saying that it doesn't matter that he, he's just going to get whatever position that that the powers decide that he can have. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Mark it down right here, this moment in time. Senator Ted Cruz will never, okay, 
and let's spell that out, N-E-V-E-R, run for president of these United States in 2020, 2024, 2028, or 2032. Not happening. No. Will not. He will never be on a ballot for president of the United States ever again. His wife won't let him. Mark it. Put it in the books. That's the way it is. Not me being mean. It's just that's the way it's going to be. He will not run for president. Okay? Then let's go ahead and mark something else down in your book. No Republican with any notoriety whatsoever will step up and challenge Trump in 2020. It is not going to happen. I know Rubio has said he might try. If he does, the last job he will ever hold is being a senator in Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That will be the last job he ever has in elected politics. It will not, like or hate Trump, that's the way it is. In 2020, I will tell you who will be the Democratic nominee. Anybody want to hear it? And you heard it here first. That's it. If her name's on the ballot, she's it. We are going to have a repeat. The only difference is going to be she's going to lose by 390 electoral votes instead of 304. Yeah, I heard that tonight that there was a potential for that that she's not she's not giving up. She's not giving it. She's she is no. so still out in the public and so still bitching and moaning that she's going to be she's going to do it again. In her well, feeble ass mind, she somehow thinks that somebody wants her to be president. I want yeah. I want you all to to rewind the clock. Illuminati, that's what she is. Rewind the clocks. Rewind the clocks. I want everybody here to to think back to 2016. Just travel back in time to October of 2016. Yeah, how can she fix it this time? And I said in October of 2016 on, it was either Ragtag Radio or this one, I said, and I'm going to say it again because this applies in 2020 as well, anger will only get you so far in an election, it will not win you an election. Mm-hmm. Never has it and won an election. And she's Hillary Clinton will be defeated to the tune of Walter Mondale style. Yeah. Okay? She will. I'm going to tell you who her... Why put her up again? Why well, would the Democrats be so damn stupid to put her up again? Because they, they don't have anybody. They They have have nobody. Okay, and remember, Democrats aren't worried about being educated. Democrats aren't worried about being engaged. Democrats aren't worried about being empowered. Are they worried about being elected? The only thing they're worried about is being elected. So, here's... That's not going to happen. Listen, how is it... Oh, my God in heaven. That is going to be the end of the Democrat Party if they put her back up again. Well, the Democratic Party's in shambles as it is. Yeah, well, it'll spell the end of it because everybody in their right mind knows that woman belongs behind bars. I remember a quote from Hillary when she said in, what was it, September or October of 2016, anybody who doesn't accept the results of a presidential yeah. election is a danger to our democracy. Yeah. Quote, unquote. 
That we need to put that in like huge, big bills. If we had a democracy, announces she's running. <laughs> if we had a democracy, that might be a good thing to do. That's exactly right. We don't have a democracy. I tweeted that to her several times. Remember this, Hillary? Well, here's here's the the facts, and and I know there's people out there, and and Jill's probably the biggest one. She lets her emotions get her sometimes, and she thinks that when I go and I say these things. And she just can't understand, especially when an election gets called. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't care. And, I think it's and, funny that you like to sit and predict this crap because you know I'm what right. the bottom line is: is I'm that right. we, I only deal with it when it happens. That's my. I'm a prag. I'm like that. I, I have that kind of mentality to where I don't like to speculate. I hate. Did speculate you just say you were like President Trump? Trump? Because uh, I just heard you say you were like President Trump. No, I said I hate speculation like the plague. I don't like to speculate about who's going to run and who's going to win and this, that, and the other, and by how many margins and whatever else. But let the chips fall where they may. Well, I've been right so far. That that was Fabian's, I mean, that was his job. I'm aware of that. I know that he's a political strategist, and so that's why he thrives on this stuff. I get all that, and I understand all that. I, that's why I said I doesn't. I'm. I don't let it bother me because it's. it's the, funny the issue. To me that you here's, even here's do the it. Thing. In 2020, in 2020, which, by the way, in January of next year, if you think 2020 ain't hitting the ground running, it is. Oh, We're yeah. going to see Pocahontas. Hop out of her shell. We're going to see. Uh, we're going to see Booker, Cory Booker, hop out of his shell. The problem is, um, you know what? She can run her policker all day long. She's not going anywhere. There's so much crap in her closet right now that I know. I'd like to see her try and then just get slammed because she she was very, very mean and nasty to me on Twitter, just so you know. She she sent me some unsolicited stuff because I comment. The the third tier of the Republican Party would love to get the, the third rail of politics. The third, the third tier of Republican politics. Okay, the people that can't win, dog catcher, would love to take on that woman because they could beat her. That is how bad she would be. Let mm-hmm. her run. The only people the Democratic Party have, the Democrats have two strong people. Okay, well they've got three actually. They've got Trisha's favorite person. Isn't one of them. Well, they've got Sorry. Trisha's favorite person. As a matter of fact, I heard they were engaged to be married, and then uh, Joe Biden. Jill, oh, really? Jill, Jill Biden kind of got in front of her, and she wasn't able to marry Joe. Joe beat his mom's fat white ass. <laughs> Joe Biden and a matchup between Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton uh, is most likely what we're going to see. Uh, it'll yeah. be between those two. I believe and that. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And it will she be- will lock up. She will lock up most of the super delegates. He will come in. Listen, he's an affable guy, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. He's very affable. He's a dumbass, but he's affable. And um, he uh, see that's that's the only thing right there. If you think the Clintons won't be playing those videos over and over and over, they will. Uh-huh. Hillary's biggest asset on the campaign trail, which she did not use the last time. Hillary's got an asset on the campaign trail. 
and it's Bill Clinton. Yeah. Okay? Like him or hate him, you put him on the campaign trail. She used him on the campaign trail. They will. Listen, she did. She run, when, no, she didn't. They kept him in a box. Yeah. Well, I put, saw him they, at various events that I you saw live on video. You saw him at a few events, very choreographed, very staged, in very stronghold Democratic areas. You did yeah. not see him out publicly. Her crowds will quadruple times ten if he's a, if he is the speaker and the presenter. He needs to be the one out there. If you're a Democrat strategist, and Jackie said she tried to get them to do this, and they wouldn't, they need to put him center stage, let him do the talking, let him be the representative. Oh, Donna Brazil said that her campaign was like a cult. Nobody could get in. No, yeah, you could not. You could not um, do anything. Yeah, they are a cult. It's called the Illuminati. <laughs> well, <laughs> that woman is evil to the core. Yeah, but that's not what she meant. She meant, you know, there was no way to break in. You couldn't get it put in the door. You know, it was so close knit and tight, and you know. But that's how a cult operates. All right, do me a favor. Barbara, can you keep things running just a minute? I'll be right back in just a couple minutes, guys. Yeah. Thank um, you. No, Donna, that's what Donna said. I read it today, and she said that it was like a, a cult, her campaign. So, you know, oh, I've known for a year that she was going to run again. You know, that's why she's making herself available all over the place. You know. Yeah, but oh, I hope she loses miserably again, and you know, and and that's another thing too. Don't hear about any more Bushes, right? <laughs> Got to stop. These people have been in the politics for twenty years. This is what I mean by so politicians. We so gotta. Have, there's gotta be a, a an end limit to all of this stuff. What? 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 What's wrong with the Bushes running? Look, they're spending their own money. They can. Okay, I mean, they're. They are all. They are. Do you know that every single president that has been elected to office in these United States has been, has been bloodlined to the to the royal crown? Are you aware of that? That's and where we came from, Neil. Even Neil. Obama. That's where we came from before we came to from to the United States. Well, not everybody was related to add a bloodline to the crown. If everybody thought they were, they're nuts. My ancestors came from England and Scotland. So. Well, so did mine. But they weren't necessarily related blood-wise to the king or the queen. My second, no, my cousin, my second cousin is Sir William Wallace. Okay, and I had a lord and a lady in my family. The point is, they were not related bloodline-wise to the king or the queen. And I'm telling you, even Trump has got uh, ties to the Scotland, uh, so the Scotland we, kings. So where are you going with this? We're all related. We all have the blood of Adam and Eve. Hi. Thank you, Tammy. Okay, I get that. But there's a mentality 
from the royal, listen, we, <laughs> the monarchy is not what we want here. P- our, my ancestors left all of that rule over no, that's just rabbit trail. trail. That's just a that's a paper tiger for you to even discuss that. Trump right. and whatever he's whoever he's related to has not one thing has he done that was anything remotely compared to what they do in England. Remotely, yeah, the, queen, the queen is a figurehead. She doesn't run that government. Theresa May does. Parliament runs that government. She's Parliament does. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of so that. She's only a figurehead, unlike Trump, who actually runs the country. She doesn't. She sits in her throne, plays with her courties. I I don't, I'm not, I've never been, and I never will be, a fan or believe in, I think it's right, in nepotism, not in any form, not in business, not in corporations, not in schools. I don't like it. I don't think it is right. And I and I fer, I fervently believe that it's wrong for our federal government. So therein therein lies why I would not rather I'd rather not have another Bush and why I would rather not have another Trump and I why I would rather not have another Clinton. I don't want another Clinton either. Let them do their time, or maybe just max it out at two family members. But this business of going on and on and on, generation. What do you- Generation after what generation, it just what is. Do you, what do you think Jill. would have happened? Jill. Go ahead. How, how do you think these farms across our United States ran without the benefit of nepotism? How do you explain that? Passed down from generation to generation to generation. When there were farms that were working farms, they were family farms. Yeah. And then the outsider, the outsider, the person. Most all of them were at one time. Yeah, I know. They got married, and the women started having babies, and they put the babies to work on the farms. And then they were lucky. It's still in the family. Okay, I understand that, but that okay, but that was. It, it, on farmlands and farming, that was a family. It's still a business. It's still a business. It's still a business before these big okay. corporations. Go to a school and have a superintendent's kid get voted into everything that they want just because they're the superintendent's kid. It is not okay on any level for a family member to just keep going on and going on and going on what? and going on. And, and you know what's the biggest reason why I believe this is wrong? is because of the wealth that is now involved in our federal government. Oh. I do not believe that any one family should be considered for those jobs because they are such high-paying positions. Family member after family member. I don't think it's right. high-paying positions? They may be more than what you and I ever made, but they're not high-paying positions for what they have to do and the cost of living in D.C. That's right. Congressman. $400,000 a year is in a high-paid position. That's the president's salary. No, it's not. You couldn't actually, pay me to, to work and do the stuff that he does for $400,000. 
and okay, take the grief and surgery. Yeah. nepotism any way you want. I have my Gil. feelings about it, and and they're not changing. Gil, the Trump kids aren't taking a salary. So how is it well, nepotism? It's not even about them. I'm saying I don't want them running for president. You know, one of the first things that he said Gil. when Gil. he was elected, you wait a minute, was that Ivanka who would for president or who doesn't run for president. If you want to do that, go to Europe, go to Germany, go to a dictatorship. That's why we're different here. Dictatorships are run by families. Look it up. No, it's not. It's not? What do you think Kim Jong-un's family has had? Gil, if you you continue to yell, the call is over, okay? Well, I feel like I'm being yelled at. Just calm down. Just calm down right now and let somebody else talk. Look, the reason we are the United States and the reason that our country has been so successful and so blessed is because we have freedoms. And nobody is remotely saying anything about any of Trump's kids running for president. And if they do, so what? So what? You know, have you had to been given away um, in the last, say, 20 years? What freedoms have you lost? Oh, there's tons mm-hmm. of them. There's tons of them. Do you know? But what, it, didn't come, it didn't come out of the presidency. It came out oh, of our no, legacy. No, well, I'm, I'm specifically talking about because of the laws. Uh, I'm not well, talking about choices uh, that we made or whatever, losing freedom. Okay, I'm you're about. asking me a question. I'm trying to answer it. In okay. the state of Tennessee, you cannot ride on a, ride a bicycle in the state of Tennessee without a helmet. You right. cannot drive a car in the state, any state in the United States, without wearing a seatbelt. Right. Having insurance, right. You can then have insurance. for the, the. I talk to my son all the time about all the things that we used to do that that has been legislated into a compliance. That is not the government's job, and that didn't have a damn thing to do with nepotism. Right. Not a thing. Well, then, well then okay, if, if all these people, these families, the Clintons and the Bushes that have been in our ruling existence since we've lost all these freedoms, then, then what's causing it if it's not them? The president, that's not on the presidential level. It's on the, it's on the legislative ledger level in your state. But the president, it doesn't have anything to do with the president. It doesn't have, the only one that did a rule like that was Barack Obama with Obamacare. But the rest of the stuff and everything that we've had to live under has been under our legislature and our Transgender bathrooms. Let's see what else is there. Listen, about this nepotism, what do you think would have happened if John Kennedy had not been assassinated? He would have run again. I mean, where we are now. And, and won. And after that, Robert Kennedy would have run and won eight years. And if Chappaquiddick hadn't happened, Ted Kennedy would have won eight years. You want to talk about a dynasty? And then after that, John Jr. and all the Kennedys. Hey, you're preaching to the choir. I don't like that family and the nepotism there any more than I do uh, any other family that's involved in it. let Let me tell you something. John Kennedy was not a Democrat. No, he, he wasn't. Was a very, 
he was a very conservative to the right. He didn't like big government. He didn't want to be in Vietnam. And that's what the Democrats didn't like. They wanted to go to Vietnam. John Kennedy was known as an old-time Democrat, and a lot of old-time Democrats are now Republicans. Well, whatever. My I'm parents saying, were old-time I'm Democrats, too, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't even, even crap on the party right now. There's nothing wrong with a family member wanting to follow in the family footsteps. Look at Al Gore. Look at his father. Okay. So there's nobody else in the Gore family that's still in politics. No. And as far as the Bush family goes, you have a nephew and a a son. That's right. So you know, it's just at that particular time, people were not ready for another Bush. But who's to say (laughs) eight years from now? I don't, that's just it, you know. I mean, over the years, if you look in our history, we've had others going way back, you know, that had father and son. But that's about it. You didn't have a conglomerate of father, son, wife, you know, my kid, this, that, and the other. I mean, it just, it it ended somewhere. And it usually was with two different family members. And then it went on to someone else. It went, it was a different. Who are you talking about that's still happening, Jill? I don't Who know why it's still happening? happening. Okay, well, let's see. Bill Clinton, and how many times has Hillary run? And the Bushes, we've had George That's Jeff two Bush, people. We've had George Sear. We've had That's Jeb. And how many more That's are there going to be? She ran, Hillary. and she never, got, she never held office. Right. You're talking about nepotism and keep going on and on. Being in the uh, position, that's not nepotism. She thought she could be president because she deserved it and it was her time. Right. But people people rejected that. What? Who else is supposed to be in office that has their family in there? There's nobody else that does that. Well, you're One of the first things he said. To, was he turned around and looked right dead in the camera and and pointed at Ivanka and said, "Wouldn't she make the best first woman president?" He was kidding. That's Get because he that believes that women a woman could be a president, and we'll likely right. see a, pre, a woman president. And that's in our right. I okay. No this is right. All right. Listen, Jill, oh, do you think wait. she's going to run for president Why? after the way but they treated her? Are you kidding? Having somebody have an opinion on nepotism, it's my opinion. If you don't like it, then just don't like it. If you don't, we don't have to flip and fight over it. It's ridiculous. I don't think it's a fight. I think it's a debate. I think we're having discussions. I do think we're going to see other political dynasties. I think we'll see another Clinton. It's just not going to be Hillary. My point made. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. If if Chelsea brings to the table something that Democrats like and they want to put her up, and she brings something to the table, great. Wouldn't yeah, it be that's great? Yeah, we to have see... a country then. I'm sorry. Uh, I just don't believe that we're going to survive that long as a country. With the well, way the rate that we're going, we're not going to make it financially. So, we cannot sustain what we're going through. Yeah, financially. You know, and 
do me a favor, Barbara. Put put down that we need to do an episode on the United States finances and the true uh, situation of our finances, which isn't anywhere as bad as everybody wants to think it is, especially the national debt. I really need to explain to people what that truly means uh, because people don't get it. And who we truly have to pay back for that national debt. But <laughs> the national debt is kind of like smoke and mirrors, Okay. National debt is money that A, doesn't exist, B, was never there, and C, isn't owed. Never be there. Okay? It's not there. It's never been there. Okay? National debt for any country is pushed through by bonds or treasury bonds, whichever ours happen to be called treasury bonds. Okay? And basically those bonds are as simple as this. You buy a bond at a prearranged rate. So let's say the face value of the bond that you buy is $1,000. And let's say that on that bond, you purchase it. Most people buy bonds for either face value, so you'll pay for that bond for $1,000, and you'll agree to hold that bond for, say, 20 years. Okay. Now, does anybody know how bonds work? Bonds are, when you buy a bond, there's a percentage rate that says, okay, I'm buying a $1,000 bond, and on that $1,000 bond, you're going to pay me, most U.S. bonds are about 3%, okay? And let's go with a higher number so that it's easier to round up. A million-dollar bond at 3%, does anybody know how much 3% is of a million dollars? No, $30,000. $30,000. Now, those rates are determined. They'll say, okay, you're going to pay me a interest rate of 3%, and you're going to make those payments twice a year. So every six months, for every $1 million, the federal government decides to write a check for thirty grand to whoever holds the treasury bond. Usually it's investors, whether it be foreign investors, whether it be uh, United States, whatever. And they've paid to borrow that money. Everybody follow me so far? They use that money to do whatever. Now, granted, the U.S. government does it in much higher numbers. Okay? hundred million, a billion, whatever. Now, where does the United States get the money that they use to pay these bonds? Anybody know? Because we hear that they make these collective payments, and if they don't make them by such and such not, they default on their debt, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let me tell you, that's a scare tactic. Always has been a scare tactic used by the Republicans, used by the Democrats. It is a scare tactic. The United States, uh, when our when our little uh, bond rate You're just saying that they've done nothing but lie about this debt. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that I'm saying that the debt is not how they play it in elections, which is why you continue to see Congress raise this ceiling or do that, because they understand. And if anybody, um, my recommendation is to take a a principles of uh, accounting and then do a uh, business accounting. Do do principles of business accounting. And it will break all of this down, and you begin to understand how this market works. At the end of the day, if the United States chose to buy back every treasury bond that's out there, 
Okay, and we've got quite a bit. We've got a little over, I think it's, with all the bonds and everything, it's like $18 trillion. Did you know that the U.S. could right now pay every bit of that off? We could buy every bit of it back. But we don't. Because it keeps the economy moving. It keeps the world economy moving. Because if we pay off that debt, (laughs) there are all kinds of countries that sink. And I do mean sink. When the U.S. paid off a bunch of its debt, uh, a bunch of the bonds that was affecting Greece, did you know that Greece's bonds were immediately turned to junk? Because they no longer could use the debt as collateral that the United States was paying? Couldn't do it. So their crap turned to junk. Well, then you saw where the market turned to junk, and everything tanked. The United States is not stupid. When they want to pay back and buy these bonds back, the stock market goes into a nosedive. That's when they buy a lot of these back. As soon as the market tanks, especially with bond markets, they buy this stuff back. They know what they're doing. The banks are involved in this. The banks help keep stuff afloat. The interest rates that are charged by the banks, all this stuff is, is some of it goes to the federal government. It's all a big machine. Okay? It's all a big machine. And that little clock that they keep ticking that talks about the national debt is not exactly accurate. It doesn't tell the whole truth. It only tells part of the truth. It's just, it's just not... Again, this stuff is not all factually accurate. And if people would pay attention, they would understand that. When the banks crashed, anybody remember why we heard that the banks were crashing in the mortgage industry? Oh, yeah. Did anybody know Anybody know what caused that crash? The bad, the bad loans, the bad mortgage loans. No, ma'am. It was not the bad mortgage loans because those were still those were still being kept up. What happened was the regulatory industry chose to change the regulations, and when they changed the regulations, it required changing of mortgage contracts. When it changed the mortgage contracts, it raised payments on a lot of people when they changed the regulations and caused them to do what default. Okay, so it wasn't people just saying, oh, you know what, I can't afford my house, I'm not going to pay for it. They could afford it based on what they bought and the original loan that they worked. It's when the regulation tightened up that it caused the problem. Okay? And another issue... How can that affect all the existing loans? If there's a contract that they should, the government shouldn't be able to override. Because let me explain to you how the feds work. When they put something in place, regulations are retroactive. If they don't retroact to the beginning of your contract, you have to rework your contract to make the forward part of your contract uh, in compliance with that regulation, which countrywide, who had been doing a lot of loans that were stretching people to the limit, they were stretching people. Okay, well, when, you know, when it come up that now they're going to be spending 40, 42, 43% of their income on these home mortgages, then you have a problem. Yeah. Okay, and so then you've got these companies under HARP that are coming along, and early on they're telling people, are you caught up on your mortgage? Well, yeah, I just can't afford the payments. Well, you need to stop paying on your home. We need to get you a few months behind. 
Well, that's exactly what a lot of people did, not realizing that when you're 90 days behind and you go 90 days without making a payment, yeah, see, under, uh, yeah, they're going to call the note. Under federal law, they can foreclose on you. Yeah. Okay, well, then a lot of these people that were waiting on HARP ended up finding out that HARP wasn't the way to go and they couldn't do it, and they were already so far behind on their payments they didn't know what to do. Well, they weren't aware that under the Uniform Commercial Code that if a company accepts a payment from you, they have to take you out of foreclosure. If they cash your check, and I want everybody to listen to this, if a mortgage company, if you send them, let's say your payment's $900 a month and you can't afford it, so you send them 600 and they cash that check, they have done you the biggest favor because yeah. they've, now, they've now accepted new terms of your agreement. Okay? You now pay $600 a month, and there is not one thing they can do. Right. Okay, that's why places, if you ever go to pay a bill and you want to pay a partial payment, that's why they won't take it. Because to take that partial payment is to accept new terms of an agreement. Right. So this is why all this stuff, the the regulation is what caused that problem in the banking industry. Now, did that regulation need to be tightened up? Yes. Do I think it could have done went a better way? Absolutely. Okay. I do think that that it could have went a better way. But to what? Well, Todd Frank, Frank Todd, whatever that. The Dodd Frank bill. Yeah. So, for all this stuff to happen like this, listen, I'm just going to tell you the housing market. You know, you heard, oh, it's in the doldrums. It's this, it's that. The problem is the housing market had become overinflated anyway. But let me share something with you all that you need to pay attention to. Where's the housing market right now? Where's the stock market right now? There's no inventory. Okay. The stock market... It's the seller's market right now, from what I understand. There's no inventory. And yes, it is a seller's market because the market is now reapproaching that percentage mark where it's bloated. Anytime the stock market gets to about 125% of its value, it will shed value. Yeah. We saw it climb really fast when President Trump first came in. It shed the value. Now it's starting yeah. to climb again. Um, granted, it's going a little slower and steadier now that GDP's way up, now that durable goods and things like that are, are happening. Uh, final topic that I wanted to talk about last night but didn't get around to, and that is tariffs. Who here is in favor of tariffs? Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm amening it because I love it. I am so glad they're slapping tariffs on these people. Oh, yeah. What, China? Slap slap some more on them. Yeah, he slapped what? He slapped China $200 billion? $200 billion. As far as I'm concerned, let's slap another 200 on them. Yeah. Slap them. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I hear people like, it's only going to hurt U.S. No, it ain't. If you're buying wood from Canada, this is the biggest one I heard, that people were buying lumber from Canada because it was cheaper in Canada, and it's not going to be cheaper anymore. Well, no crap, Sherlock. So let's go buy from a U.S. uh, wood, and let's get some people in the United States some jobs. I'm sorry? Wood 
it's not just going to raise the price of lumber. He's put it on aluminum too, so it's going to. It's not going to raise the price. All kinds of things is going to go Consume, up. Hey, I don't care. Let's slap some more on them bad boys. Slap them on there. Let us make it impossible to yeah. import aluminum. We don't need to import aluminum. That's the big thing. We don't need right. to import lumber. We don't need to import cheap steel from China. We've got some of the best steel workers in the United States, in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Washington. Let's put them to work. Yeah. We've got no, these resources. We don't need them. Not only that, this is Trump's mere way of getting people to the negotiation table. Oh, it's going to come back. Listen, I believe Canada, that. I believe he's using he's using these these types of things to get people to come to the talk. It, it, you know, read the book. People didn't see that under North Korea and what happened with well, Rocket Man. Then they're not going to see anything at all. I mean, because that's look exactly at, what he did to them. To, to look at too. look at the book. Anybody that has not read The Art of the Deal, go get it. Read this I don't book. Want to read it, is, book. it is a great book. Yeah, okay. Okay. It is a great book. I'm not listen, I will also tell you the book that uh, President Clinton just wrote with James Patterson is a good book. I just finished it. Yeah. It is a great book, well written. James Patterson did a good job. Hmm. Okay. His style, it's his writing. He wrote the book. What I understood in the book of The Art of the Deal, you know, um, Trump talks about if you tell people something that you want them to believe three times, that they will believe it, whether it's true or not. And that might be a sales tactic. It might be fine, you know, to be suggesting as a sales tactic, but I just don't believe that that's the right thing to do ever. Oh, it's it's the truth. It's the truth in everything you do, in sales, in marketing, in media. Well, it very the, well, very well may be a marketing scheme. I was trained no, it's, as it's, fast. My it's not a scheme. Is that if it's not true, it shouldn't be said in the first. Nobody place. said it. Nobody said it wasn't true. A person, one person's reality may not be another person's. And he wasn't advocating lying. You have to read the whole book to understand what he was going with with that. Okay. But it's like people that buy Kirby vacuum cleaners. They may not be ready to shell out the 200 bucks, 300 bucks it costs for the for the Kirby vacuum cleaner. But you one, two, three times prove that this vacuum cleaner is worth it. It's like a shark. Listen, I'll lay down some money for a shark because they're great vacuum cleaners. I'm not buying no damn Dyson because that damn queer ain't getting a penny of my money. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, yeah. it, but I must admit, we own a Dyson, but not by my choice. He, and he, he, Trump wrote the book because of his experiences in the business world. He's well, a Trump's writer wrote the book. Let's just be fair well, here. Whatever. Whatever. But Trump is a billionaire. I mean, he, my God, you know, so he's not lying. He's dealt with these people. He knows how to deal with these well, people. Well, I mean, you just have to remember that some people, you know, every, everybody has their own opinion how they're going to deal with it. But so on the tariffs, listen, I think we should slap more tariffs on this, slap more tariffs on cars, slap more. Listen, if it can be tariffed, let's tariff it. Let's tax yeah. it. Well, Canada's charging us, what, 270% for dairy? 
Doesn't yep. hurt my feelings a bit. Let's slap tariffs on Nabisco because their stuff's done in, in Mexico and sent back over. You know what? People got to pay $10 for a pack of Oreos. They'll get the hint. Bring your company back to the United States or let's get going. We've got a tax rate now that is competitive, one of the lowest uh, around. So let's get this money back in here and let's get U.S. businesses going. Okay, it is working. Haynes has ramped up production at a couple of their plants and plan to hire more people. Why? Because they're producing more here. And as tariffs continue to rise, as they should, if you're going to make an even trade deal with China, Japan, uh, Japan don't got any room to be talking. Okay? Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I would just look at them and say Oak Ridge. <laughs> Oak Ridge. Manhattan Project. Yes. Let us fix this or... Yeah. Anyway, and I say that in jest for anybody goes off and says I'm advocating dropping a nuke on somebody. But the truth is, is that if we're going to have trading partners, it doesn't need to be as lopsided as it is. It's lopsided and beneficial for every country and not beneficial for us. And at the end of the day, Trump is being, uh, has been elected to represent us. Trudeau is elected to represent the cowards of Canada. Okay? That's their job. So be it. Let them do their job. But the trade deal ought to be Can I ask a question? Why did you say cowards of Canada? I mean, there was, you know, when 9-11 happened and those planes were grounded over in Canada, there were people over there who welcomed those people into their homes and took care well, of them. I guess they did. After the United and, States told them that they were either going to let those damn planes land there, we were going to send the Air Force over there and take over that base or take over that airport to land the planes. I was there. Canada tried to turn those damn planes around and refused to let them land. And President Bush told them in no uncertain terms that they would be landing at that airport or that there would be military, U.S. military on their soil taking over that damn airport. You're talking about government to government. I am talking about the people over in Canada. Again, it goes back to the people. Off the plane and took them to their homes for five days. And fed them and housed them. Well, like I said, the cowards cowards of Canada, and that can apply to the government or the people. I don't really care. They elected the idiots, so they can deal with it. But everybody's okay with screwing the United States, whether it's Canada, whether it's Mexico, whether it's anybody. Everybody's okay with screwing the U.S. And when the U.S. decides to fight back, whoever it is, then they're a mean warmongering bastard. Well, guess what? Under this administration, at least, the days of screwing the U.S. are gone bye-bye. And maybe, just maybe, that when this guy leaves office, he will have provided a set of inflatable nuts to whoever gets in the presidency next, male or female, to say, you know what? If this president could do it and stand up for my country, I will too. Because let's just face it, other than 9-11, President Bush didn't do it. He kept us safe. He did his job. He made a promise on 9-11, and that was that he would do everything he could to protect our homeland. He did it. Okay? He did that job flawlessly. However, he forgot to do a few other jobs. I worked for the guy, loved the guy to death, and would work for him again, would elect him again. Okay? 
But at the end of the day, there was things needed to be done. And we can even go all the way back to administrations, all the way back to Bush, who Bush 41, who allowed this god-awful deal to go through. Okay? So at the end of the day, listen, I'm America first. I'm not ashamed to say I'm America first. Anybody that's known me 10 minutes knows I'm America first. I am red, white, and blue through and through. If that means slapping tariffs on every country that we do business with, so be it. If they want to trade with I us, I don't have like, a problem with that. Knowing that we have uh, that there is a deficit, I have no problem with that. Knowing that they're charging us, but that we have not been charging them, there is something inherently wrong with that picture. So I'm in total agreement as long as it doesn't cause a rate of inflation on goods and services that are too much for American people here. That's the, my only concern. And that has well, been the biggest argument that most of the people have made against the, the tariffs, you know, Poppy from an economic talk. standpoint. And I don't know that I agree with them, and I don't know that I disagree. I'm, I'm one of these where I, I'm fine to wait and see. So let me, let me okay, uh, I'll use an example, socks, okay? You all probably <laughs> don't know this little tidbit about me, but unless I am asleep in the bed, I have socks on my feet, okay, okay. or in the shower. I have socks on my feet at all times. I do not like being without socks. I will wear socks with sandals, okay? Are you afraid some, something's going to bite your toe? Nope. I just don't like being without my socks, okay? <laughs> and I wear these thick socks that uh, are made by Gildeen. And the they cost me. Issue. Say what? The beach was a huge issue. Yes, I don't oh, like taking my socks off, even at the beach. Lord, I you did, didn't take your socks off at the beach. I did not want to take my socks off at the beach. <laughs> they make Indian that you can wear without socks. They do, and I have a pair of them. But I'm going to tell you what: if my feet would have fit into them with socks on, I would have had my socks on in those shoes. Okay, but I only I'm wear using socks in the winter time. You couldn't catch me with a pair on now, but I'm, I wear. I'm, I'm using socks as an example here. Okay? okay, so these socks are made in South Korea, and they cost at Walmart for ten pair. It's about <laughs> fourteen. It's about fourteen ninety six for ten pair of socks. Okay. Now, there is a new sock company out there that I went looking for their socks. They are seamless. They, uh, they are great. I've looked at these socks. For 10 pair of these socks, just as thick, very nice, no seams, American-made, they're $21 for 10 pair of socks. Wow. Do you like tube socks or crew socks? Ankle socks. So I get looking at these socks online, and I'm thinking, you know what, I really want these socks. But I don't know if I want to pay $21. So then I get to thinking, okay, well, let's go look at this company. So I did a little research on the name of the company. And I found out that, A, they are non-union. Oh, happy day. B, they pay their people $12 an hour. I'm okay with that. They provide good medical insurance, good vision, good dental. Uh, they give their families time off. It's It's a good-run company. I uh, believe they're run out of uh, Wisconsin. It's a very good-run company. 
And so I get to thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, they're paying these guys a wage, but the socks I buy from South Korea, how much are they being paid? So I go look to see. I go look to see what South Korea's minimum wage is, and South Korea does have a minimum wage. They are being paid the equivalent of two U.S. dollars an hour. Wow. Okay. Now in that country, I don't guess that's too terrible bad. In China, they get paid two dollars a day in U.S. money. But here's the thing, and and Jill alluded to this. She didn't mean to, but she did. And that is that people want everything as cheap as they can possibly get it. So are we going to see people in the United States working for $2 an hour? The answer is no, because they can't, number one. We have minimum wage laws. And number two. It kind of offsets it takes away from the tax tax refunds, too. I mean, it's one thing. This doesn't take away from the tax refund. Huh? This doesn't take away from the tax refund at all. It offsets it. You know, you want to talk about that balance sheet. You know, you can't, you're going to charge people more for products and then turn around and give them a, ba- a break on their taxes. One is going to out, you know, is going to is offset the other, is my point. Well, I don't think That's so. That's the and argument tell you that why. a lot of people are using. Well, they're ill informed and uh, they must not be from the uneducated South. <laughs> and that is this right here. Number one. Buying American products create American jobs. Create buying American products, create American jobs. Create buying American products, create American jobs. See where I'm going with that? When we use our own, when you use your own growth, for example, we buy our own cotton. Did you know we export most of our cotton to other countries? Why do we do that? Is that why why, um, the president decided to move his... um Clothing, his ties, and all that, all of his stuff that he's making, or Ivanka's, or whoever, whichever one of them's got the clothing line overseas. Ivanka. I'm assuming they moved it overseas some time ago. Oh, Trump's ties are too. They're made over there. But let me tell you a little secret. Ivanka nor President Trump know what's going on with that company right now. Neither one of them are allowed to be involved. They have no idea what's going on. It's in a blind trust handled by a bunch of attorneys. Okay. Um, yes, if if at the time that they moved them, it was a legal move. Yeah, I don't blame them. They're cutting taxes. They're cutting their costs. I don't blame them. That's the problem. We've made it easy for people to do this. So you shut it down and you bring them back here. The reason the textile industry here is dead is unions. Yeah. The reason the in, the coal industry and the nuclear energy industries here have not improved is because of A, unions, and B, government regulation. Our power grids, the reason they're in such disarray, unions and regulation. And in the next week, I'm going to be one happy guy because the Supreme Court is about to lay the smack down on unions. And I will be glad when they are gone. And they are going to be gone. It will take them a while, and the Teamsters will be the one to last the longest. By but by 2024, they're gone. They're done, they're done, finished, and they should be. There is no need for unions in this country anywhere. Then we'll make None. the happy. <laughs> I don't really care who it makes happier, who it don't. Unions are a drain on society, 
and anybody that would waste their money. I don't understand how that particular lawsuit reflects on closing down all unions. It it just doesn't add up. When you have one guy in Illinois who doesn't want to pay dues because he's not a member of the union. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. I will admit, I didn't read the whole entire lawsuit, but okay. that was the gist of what I got from his complaint. And oh. I was like, what has that got to do with closing all Oh, it has everything to do oh, with it. Yeah. And let me just tell you, because you just brought up a thing, and I know we're running long, folks. I'm going to shut up here in a minute. But, yeah, blame, you on, blame it on Jill. Jill did this. Jill is responsible for the tirade I'm about to go on. So everybody thank Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, back several years years ago, uh, one of the last things I wanted to do in politics was take out the teachers' union. Okay? I despise the teachers' union on so many levels. And so I began, uh, I made an arrangement with some elected officials, and I said, hey, I'll do this and help you get where you need to be. You help me get this done. So we started it. Then when we had a template, a little guy by the name of Scott Walker come along, and he followed the same template. And we began to systematically go after teachers' unions. And the way you go after these teachers' unions, and we did it on a state level, is to say, hey, you, number one, we took away their collective bargaining. Okay? When we took away their collective bargaining, that made the ability to be in the union optional. When they took away the requirement, because, see, this is how unions thrive, If you work for a union or you work for a company that is part of the union or has union contracts, you have to pay union dues. It is not optional. You will pay, whether they represent you or whether they don't. You will pay. So here in the state of Tennessee, Wisconsin was another one, Georgia. Now I think it's the teachers' unions in about 29 states are bust. Okay? The teachers' unions in Oklahoma the ones that decided to walk off the classroom, and which, by the way, the governor there should have fired every last school teacher in that state. Uh, The ones in Arizona. The ones in Arizona should have been fired as well. All of them should have been fired. Okay? They're up at arms because they're getting ready to be busted up. Well, what happened was in all of these states, the day that the ruling came down or that the law changed saying, look, teachers' unions are optional, over 50% of the members notified the unions we're no longer going to pay. Well, that only that affects the NEA, too, because, see, the NEA was able to forcefully take money out of your check. Now they cannot. Notice you haven't heard much from the NEA lately. They ain't got any money. So go back to Illinois. I know about Illinois because I used to work at a grocery store in Illinois. Loved working <laughs> in that job. Loved it. They come to me and they said, you can work at this job for 45 days. On day number 45, you must sign part of the union, become part of the union. I said, look, take the money out of my paycheck, but I will not join the union. I remember you talking about us. I will, I will pay you 
You can collective bargain for me all day long, but I want no part of you because I believe that if I come into this company and I do the job that they've hired me to do, my job will be safe. And if my job isn't for budget cuts or whatever, then that company has to survive. I want no part of your protection. I told them that. And I was a young fellow when I told him that. So I lost the job. Well, this guy is going in. He's not part of the union directly. He's required to pay union dues, and he didn't believe that he needed to pay union dues because they didn't represent him. The union, which is the SEIU, comes back and says, well, we collective bargain for you. Well, here's the thing. The argument has been made in certain states, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, no more, but several other of the Rust Belt states there, that you have to pay them because they collective bargain for you. Well, the truth is, this guy didn't ask him to. He wasn't part of the vote that voted in this union. He was hired, and, you know, he believes he got his wage based on his experience and blah, 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 and he didn't want to pay. So he sued. Said, I don't think $25 ought to be coming out of every paycheck I make to go to this organization that I fundamentally disagree with. Now, here's where it gets tricky. He, in part of discovery, says, I want to know where my $25 goes. Well, when they pulled these budgets, they began to find out dirty little secrets that everybody's known for years. And that is that unions spend 67% of the money they raise on political activities. And so his argument was, I don't want my 25 bucks going to political activities that I disagree with. Because most people don't realize, and Jill, I know you're tied into this, have uh, the person you're tied in with the union read their contract. You're going to find that in, especially the Teamsters, in their contract, did you know that they're allowed to put yard signs in your yard of political candidates that the union wants? Yep. They are allowed to do all kinds of things. And you sign this in this union contract that most people never know. Well, this guy, he says, look, I don't want to pay it. The lower court held that he was correct. The appellate court held that because he's collected bargain for, that he must pay. And now the Supremes have it. Well, the Supremes got it, and the attorneys finally got smart and attached some attachments from the state of Tennessee and Wisconsin, showing how successful it's been <laughs> for workers, not necessarily the unions, and so that ruling's going to come down in the next few days. And the ruling will be, put it in your books, the ruling will be 5-4 to four in favor of unions not being able to forcibly collect money out of your check. And the minute that happens, nearly, I predict, 60% of people across this country will call their union rep and say, go suck an egg. That's one of the reasons I didn't want Eli working for Kroger because even as little as they pay them and as few hours as they can work while they're in school, they still yep. have to pay union dues. Got them union dues. Yeah. But Kroger Kroger's different in the fact that the, the Coke family, when they sold Kroger, had it in the contract that um, until the company was sold again, it couldn't be sold for 22 years and had to keep the union in there. For the time that they own the company. So once they sell it again, those unions will be gone. Publix has unions too, but Publix are voluntary and not mandatory. 
I'm okay with voluntary unions. If you want to be part of a voluntary union and spend your money on that, so uh, I mean, be and and you know and and then even with that there can still be political activism so you know but i agree that no, no one should be forced to pay into it well the teamsters the only reason the teamsters will survive as long as they will they'll survive the longest of all of them and that's just because they've got deep pockets and they've made investments throughout the years they've got deep pockets but here's going to be the bigger problem and this is going to be the concern that people should have what do you think pays the pensions? Think about that. What about all these union folks that are drawing pensions off these unions? And anybody know what the most secure pension is for unions in these here United States? Oh, that's a toss-up. There's one. Uh, there's one company that's done done quite nicely. Oh, it's the railroad. It is the railroad. They are 100% completely, 100% fully funded and vested. That's it. They're also the oldest. I mean, the railroad is, God, goes back eons. It does. But the point is is that they've kept everything 100% fully vested in how they do things. The SEIU is only 72% vested. Now imagine 72%, and let's say they lose... 40%, 40%, let's give it a good estimate, they lose 40% of their income. That's a problem for them. There's going to be a lot of people, there's going to be a lot of people lose pensions. And again, it goes back to what I said the other night, in that you should never depend on any one particular entity, especially a pension offered by somebody else. Put your own money. Why should I give money to somebody else to invest when I can do it myself? Well, that's it. I think that people should be given a higher rate of income, um, and if they wanted to break it down and say, you know, uh, no, 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 you just you're you're talking liberalism, not a higher rate. Well, of I'm income. talking about when you go in to get a job, and if they want to say, you know, um, you you would have this benefit of a pension, blah blah blah, of an investment. But what we'd rather do is take and give you the money and make the recommendation of making an investment. And if you do, here's how it can pay off for you in the long run if you put it in these various places. To me, that would be better for an employer to do because that leaves still the option to the employee on whether or not they choose to do it. Now, I'm here to tell you, you, between you and me and the fence post, they won't invest it. The vast majority of them won't. Okay, and so what? That's not my problem. By the way, the Wall Street Journal has just reported that baby boomers are turning the U.S. into a country with fewer workers to support the elderly, according to newly released census data, which we all knew that based on all the help wanted signs. Well, they used the wrong wrong, uh, blaming word. It should be Democrats. But here's the... Back to your what? Well, let me just ask you this: If all the souls were alive that they took in an abortion, if let's just say half of them were alive today and working, where do you think where do you think that we would be in terms of a country? Let's give that some thought for a bit. That is an interesting that is an interesting thought process. But let me, as a 
as a theologian. Let me throw it back at you. Sure. We all know abortion is genocide. Okay? It's the largest genocide of our generation. So why do you think God allows it to happen? Well, there's God's permissive will. There's God's... um We have the ability to choose in this life. He gave us that ability. And I believe that we have to choose the cross, don't we? And we have to choose to repent. God the Father has... God the Father and God the Son are the only two entities that have the ability to give or take life. That is not given to anyone else. Understandably. I understand that. My question is, why do you think God has allowed this to become a genocide? Why do you think he allows, and he does because he's the one that removes the life from that entity, why do you think he allows it? What do you think the greater purpose is behind that? Tough one to answer, isn't it? I know that you're looking for an answer, and I'm not gonna. I'm not prepared to give you one because I'm just now thinking. You know, think it's the, just you've just now question, put it in front of me. Give me some time to think about that one. <laughs> the, the question is purely rhetorical. I'm sorry. What? Satan to think that he is winning. But remember this: any baby that suffered under Christ, whether it is here on earth, or at judgment. Remember that the angels of heaven rejoice when only one soul, when these babies are murdered, and they are murdered. They're not the age of accountability. Their soul is locked, signed, sealed, delivered. They're good. So is it possible, and again, just asking this question, is it possible that every soul that is being lost through that genocide could possibly be used to save even one person every so often because their task on this earth is greater. Just think about that. Whose task on this earth is greater? Okay, let me let me put it in. Let me let me give it to you. I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're I'm missing something somewhere along the way. You I are. I understand so, the soul is automatically that there's no age of accountability. I get all that, but and so, so there's the questions asked there. So, but the, so let's know, say from that point forward. Okay, here we go. So let's say that that in a group home somewhere, and we'll use a group home as an example. Let's say in a girls' group home somewhere, there are ten young ladies sitting there watching TV. They've never been exposed to Christ. They've never been exposed to God's love directly. They've they've never been exposed to this. And on the television, they're hearing this fight over Planned Parenthood and body parts. Okay? And let's say that a couple of those girls are sitting there and they're thinking to themselves, that is just awful. I would never want to be a part of that. I wouldn't. Well, let's say that, that as a result of that, they go researching in this day and age. That's what kids do. And they find national right to life. They find a place that that without violence and without meanness, they choose to find a different way. 
Well, National Right to Life is very Christ-based and Christ-centered. So they reach out to National Right to Life. What can I do to help? Well, in the process of helping, let's say these, one of these two young ladies is introduced to Christ by a very loving individual. Okay? And let's say that that loving individual thinks, you know what, she'd be a great fit for our family. Let's bring her into the family. Now, I'm trying to make all this fall in, but I, I'm I'm going somewhere with it. And they bring her in, they take her to church, and she's introduced to God's love. Introduced to all the things that throughout her life she's been lacking. And she decides right then and there that her name should be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Heaven rejoices. Okay. Without seeing the genocide that occurred, she wouldn't have went that path. But let's go a step further with that. And let's say that, that through the one life, or the two lives that she saw lost in that television ad, her parents, her, her adoptive parents, really immerse in her a will and a desire to help others. And so she, upon becoming an adult, and goes and gets an education, and she takes the rest of her life, and she dedicates it to helping young women that may not have parents like she didn't, and showing them kindness and love and directing them in a way. And maybe through her kindness and her experiences and that day that she saw that genocide, she may have saved countless lives through the loss of a couple of lives that she saw. It's the loss of those lives that will celebrate on the streets of heaven after the rapture or judgment not to confuse anybody, would, is that worth it? Was the countless lives that she touched because of the loss of two lives, was it worth it? Was it a positive trade-off? Have you got Barbara muted? I don't. Barbara, you're not muted. If we can't hear you, hang up and call back in. I don't hear you. Um, just, uh, just food for thought, Fabian. Um, uh, it's funny that you say this because, um, I think I even mentioned this, but, um, I've been involved in a healing ministry with women who've actually been down the road and had abortions and, um, in the healing ministry and, and been able to help them get to a place where they are able to forgive themselves for participating. And the desire um, to to do that um, happened when I attended a play on a Sunday night at my church several years ago, and I had no idea what the play was supposed to be about. I just knew that it was about a book called Tilly. Yep. And so then when we got there, um, you know, the play starts and it proceeds to go through it and and uh and here it's it's on abortion and at church that day, you know, we were in, we were encouraged to bring all of our friends, you know, all of our anybody and it didn't make any difference who it was, you know, bring your friends, bring your family, et cetera. And that night, I literally saw, I think I've told you this before, I literally saw people, male and females, because our pastor did a altar call at the end of the service, um, you know, for those that had 
been participating, that had participated in it, that there is forgiveness at the cross. And I literally saw people dive at the altar that night, wailing, crying, because of the pain that they were in, because of what they had done. Um, so, and and the the whole, so the healing ministry ended up being that when when you know I would hear of or find out through my daughter's friends or whatever that somebody had been involved in one and and was was going through a rough time or was considering one. There were a number of different things that we did, but. One of the things that I specifically did was work with girls and tell them, you know, I mean, if they were led to the Lord, if they were already Christians, whatever the situation, you know, we would pray together and and they would seek forgiveness for what they had done. And I, you know, most girls and most men that are involved in this can remember when the day it happened. They remember how old the child would be. There's just, you know, there's a number of different things they go through. But the fact of the matter is, is that when they prayed that prayer, we we took that date that it that it happened, and and I'm and so what I left them with was when the devil reminds you of the sin that you committed, you remind him of the day that you were forgiven. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Future, That's exactly. All you do. Exactly. Now. The, the and point so I'm trying it to... was that same premise, and I have seen lives, girls' lives, be able to be changed in a huge way, and been able to go ahead and move forward and become productive and and successful in life, and and go on to have families and the whole nine yards after they had received that healing. So I see where you're coming from, and I and I surely understand that God could use that genocide to affect all of those lives, even that, that actually did participate in it, you no, know, if that hadn't happened in their own lives. I get that, and I see that. I'm just, but, but you know, when I brought those souls, all those souls up, on a hypothetical standpoint, you know, there's a lot, there's millions and millions of these things that have happened, that but how many souls? And, and and this is the question, okay? And, and, and working. <laughs> the the question that I have is that yes, we have a genocide, okay? But at what point is uh at <laughs> at what point do we say you know yes we have genocide but it's working for the better? Anyway, listen, guys. We've went way too long. Way over. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna call it here. I and, uh, something, but I was muted the whole time. There will be no political straight talk on Friday. Uh, it I was, was wondering tonight. why you were having one tonight. Actually, it was done tonight. Barbara, give your final thought, and then we're out of here. It was about the unions, but you're past that subject now, so. Okay, we'll hold that and we'll talk about it on the next time. For those of you that tune in regularly, we always want your opinions. You can reach us at politicalstraighttalk at gmail.com. For those of you that don't listen regularly, well, we hope you come back. Remember, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier because without them, you know, we don't have this. Thank a firefighter and a very handsome preacher because without both of those guys, we'll pray for you after we put out your fire. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> on behalf of us here at uh, Political Straight Talk. I'm the Political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.